Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Big sales! It is a football Friday. It is a Veterans Day. Football Friday. Veterans Day weekend. You know, I it's one of my favorite holidays and it's one of my favorite times of the year because we get a chance to honor the military men and women who have served this country and in today's landscape it just doesn't mean in war it now also means that when you're talking about first responders 9-11 um the wars that we're seeing around the world protecting freedom it's the greatest team on the planet our military I'm I'm such a goober and such a honk for military history. I mean, I wrote these things down here. And I, I, I have like a bucket list of things that I've done when it comes to military. And the aircraft carriers that I've been on, I've been on the USS Hornet. She's dry docked in Oakland. You can go there and see that legendary aircraft carrier that fought during World War II. I mean... I've taken my wife there. I mean, it's behind a fence. They're trying to restore it. And it's really one of the great aircraft carriers and one of the great pieces of history in our country. I've been on the USS Carl Vincent. Um, It's one of the greatest aircraft carriers on the planet. I believe right now it's over um, near Israel right now. And that's one of the absolute gigantic battleships that we have and flat deck carriers we have. I love that. USS Midway, I've done numerous broadcasts. I've done um, numerous events. I've taken my daughter there. We met, I introduced my daughter to Dan Gable there. Uh, The USS Nimitz I've been on. I've been on to Yorktown too. Obviously, the Yorktown was sunk. Then it was renamed uh, with a new ship that was made in 16 and a half months. I've been on the Enterprise, and of course, I've been on the USS Arizona. Um, So that's, um, I I just absolutely love the history. Yes, I've been to Gettysburg. I've been to Antietam. I've been to Vicksburg. Um, I've been to all those places, Civil War. Yep, absolutely, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, hey, Bull run, all that, man. I mean, I'm such a goober with that stuff. So if you happen to see a military person this weekend, do me a favor, salute them, because it's really one of the great things that our country has. You know what that is? There's no politics when you're in a foxhole. Just remember that. You know you, you know the two places I would have to say that you don't get politics? When you're sitting next to one one another at Lincoln Financial. Nobody gives a shit what political party you're affiliated with. They just care you're an Eagle fan. Or if you're in Buffalo or you're in Dallas or you're wherever, you don't sit there and go, excuse me, I'd like to sit here. Are you Republican or are you Democrat? You know, hey man, are you an Eagle fan? Like, get this. The only people you don't sit next to 
at Lincoln Financial are Cowboy fans. It's the only place that works. Same in a foxhole. Right? Same in a foxhole, man. Okay? (laughs) Hey. Same. Same, man. Absolutely, man. That's the greatest thing about sports. You don't give a shit about your politics. And you don't really care where the politics fall in here when it comes to that kind of stuff. So we really appreciate everybody coming aboard with us here. Oh, by the way, the game was terrible last night. But Jason Kelsey was awesome. You see what I tweeted out at Dan Celio show? I tweeted out late last night. After watching Jason Kelsey, my my prediction is that right after he did it, I went, that guy's going to be the next John Madden. He's got timing. He's relatable. He's likable. There's so many cool things, man. Um, Oh, you sailed on the Kitty Hawk. Dude, awesome, man. Way to go, dude. Awesome. <laughs> Great, man. Way to go, man. That's awesome, Ray. But Jason Kelsey was sensational last night. He was actually the star of the show. Because that game sucked last night. Carolina, I don't even remember. Who won? <laughs> I, I didn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't take watching that game last night. But I love Jason Kelsey. Got on the desk. He was in the booth. He had timing. Um, I, I, I really, I really enjoyed it, man. I mean, I, I think he's going to be somebody. He's going to be a star. Either at hosting a local show in Philly or national show, radio. Or TV. He's going to be a star. If I'm Fox or if I'm CBS or NBC, I put that guy in the booth, man. I, I, I He has a shot to be like Matt Millen, um, to be somebody like John Madden, or to be somebody like Bill Moss used to do when he was at Fox, too. So I think he's got an opportunity, man. He's enjoyable to listen to. You know what he does, too? He puts a little twist on everything. That's one of the things I loved about John Madden is that John Madden, John Madden is really the guy who got me my first gigantic radio job at KMBR in San Francisco. If it wasn't for John Madden, Bob Agnew would have never have heard of me. He would never have put me on the air. John Madden was the guy going, hey, hey, you got to get this guy Silio, man. He's the real deal. You got to get him. This guy's the real deal, man. Telling you, this guy's it. Tony Salvador, the general manager of the place, man. And I used to go to his house in Blackhawk, right there in Pleasanton, California. We lived over in the next town in Dublin. And I used to go over and talk to Coach Madden all the time. And he would go like this. The more you're close to yourself. And always talking with his hands like this, like he was Italian. He Coach Madden would go, as long as you're close to yourself, always remember, that's relatable. I'm sitting there eating, and the kids are there. His kids are there. I'm friends with his kids that follow me on Facebook. We stay in touch. Coach Madden was awesome. One of the most important people in my broadcasting career was Coach Madden. He got me that first job. Well, I started at KGO on, believe it or not, in news. I was doing sports on the number one station in San Francisco, KGO. And I was there with uh, Jim, uh, Jim Dunham. And if you guys remember, that's the guy who Zodiac called. Um, and it was there with Rosie and him, and I used to do sports. 
Really cool. And then he goes, hey, you got to get this guy Silio over here to KMBR. Really cool, man. Hey, Big Sills, even though Eagles have problems with giving up huge numbers to quarterbacks. Ah, we're going to get to all this. Still finding ways to win that stop us from winning the Super Bowl. Still finding ways when that will stop us from winning the Super Bowl. Potentially. And I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to go all into this here in a minute, okay? We're going to go into this here in a minute here. John Madden was awesome. One of my favorite people I got. I think Kelsey has a shot at being that kind of guy too. I really do. All right. Let's get into the topics. By the way, last chance to qualify for you to win yourself some gift certificates from our friends at Hooters. Tone's going to throw a code word out throughout the entire four hours. All you have to do is identify it, send us an email. You get your chance and opportunity to win yourself some merchandise and potentially a gift certificate from our friends who are celebrating their 40th anniversary, our friends at Hooters. You'll see it, show at gmail.com. Send us your information. You will have a chance to win yourself those gift certificates. And then on a football Monday, you might hear your name called. So we appreciate that very much. All right, let's throw this out there. And what I'm going to do first is I'm going to come at you here with the positives. What I want to see coming out in the second half of the season with the Eagles. But first, do the Eagles have to go four and one to win home field advantage? Do they have to go four and one, in your opinion, to win home field advantage in the NFC? Do they have to go four and one? Detroit does not have as tough a schedule. San Fran, oh, just so you know, and I know some of you are looking, I know some of you are looking at um, San Francisco with three losses. Let me show you something that's pretty interesting here. Do you know currently there are five teams that in the last 15 games have gone 12 and three? Do you know who they are? You guys keep throwing those numbers up, so I thought I'd throw some numbers at you. Here are the five teams in the regular season that have gone 12 and three over the last 15 the Chiefs, the Eagles. The 49ers, the Jags, and the Bengals. Five teams in the last 15 ball games are 12 and three. That's incredible from the Jaguars. You know, when I was a kid growing up, if you told me the Jaguars and the Bengals were some of your better football teams, and teams like the Dolphins and the Raiders were not, I would tell you you were nuts. Jags and Bengals? Jags and Bengals are 12-3 and three over the last 15 games? That's pretty remarkable. Doug Peterson has done a magnificent job coaching that team, man. Get this. The Jags and the Bengals in the last 15 games, have outplayed the Dallas Cowboys. 
They've outplayed the Cowboys. Hey, and by the way, for the record, the Eagles beat the Jags. One of those losses. Well, that, no, they were early in the year, so that's probably not the last 15. But in the last two years, you beat that team. The Jaguars from probably the middle of last year have gotten ripe hot. I mean, they are hot. Doug, NTN looks like a guy. They got two ball hawks on that side of the football on defense. You know, Trevor Lawrence is starting to look like a top 10 quarterback now. <laughs> to think about where he can look what Doug Peterson has done to that quarterback. I mean, he's changed and turned that guy's career around. Look, it was early on, but Urban Liar was not helping that kid. Get this. Doesn't it show you? One thing that does show you, doesn't it? You get the wrong head football coach, he could destroy a career. I'll give you a great example of that. Jeff Fisher destroying Vince Young. You get the wrong guy, he could destroy a career. I think Jeff Fisher did more to destroy Vince Young's career than any person or anything he ever did in his career. I think that guy destroyed Vince Young's career. Vince was a rookie of the year. He got off to a great start. He was like 31 and 16 or something. Then that whole thing went to shit because he couldn't. Look at what he did with the Jared Goff when he was with the Rams. Okay? I mean, you get, the, you get a bad coach. It could be absolutely career-killing. Jags are winning, man. That's some good football here. Do I think they have to go? Do I think they have to go four and one? I think you can get away with it probably with three and two. Okay? If they go three and two, because that's only three losses that you'll have on the season. And if you go 14 and three, you would have had a better year than you did a year ago with lesser talent. That's a credit to the quarterback. There's only one player that you credit with that. You credit the quarterback. Okay, because the defense, and we're going to get into this here in a minute. And we're going to do this. What I want to see, and the guys that I think have had a really good first half, and things I want to see pick up in the second half, we're going to do that. And I'm going to show you what one of the guys said here just a couple minutes ago. We're also going to look at week 10. We're also going to look at some of the deficiencies that we're looking at on the team right now. Um, I want to ask you guys this. I want to show you this here. Let's do this. The quarterbacks in percentage completion against your defense in the first half of the season. Mac Jones was 64-8. Kirk Cousins was 70.5. Baker Mayfield, 60%. Sam Howe in two games, 73% completion percentage against your secondary. Matthew Stafford did a nice job on him, held him under 60%, 56-8. Zach Wilson's terrible, 57-6. Tua was 71.9. And Dak was 65-9, rounds out to about 66.6% .6 completion percentage. Guys on that list there, 
Tua, Dak. I do think Sam House coming around. Um, those aren't any of the guys that you're going to be coming up playing here in the next couple weeks here. So 66-6. So just about seven passes out of every 10 are being completed against you. See, this is what we give you here on our show. Okay? And I got these numbers out of NFL.com. Okay? Okay. And Tone says that's that's about league average. Okay. I can tell you this ain't average. NFL.com. Anybody can Google it and look at it. The Eagles are 31st in touchdowns allowed in their secondary. They are 31st in completions with 241. They are last in the amount of first downs surrendered. They are 31st in total passing yards. And your secondary had a completely brutal first half. If you look at those numbers. Your pass defense, the only way this is going to get better, it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be Rick's. It's not going to be anything. It's going to be the health. You know, you know what? I hear people say this all the time that the guy you can't afford to lose the most is Lane Johnson. I don't think you can afford to lose Hassan Reddick. He may be the most important person down this stretch run of any football player on your team. Because if you ain't getting home, you're getting murdered. Teams are average. Teams are basically around league average, but your offensive numbers that you surrender in the past game are horrific. And if Reddick is not Reddick in the second half, not a chance. How about this? Not not a chance. Every game will be lesser on margin of error. NFL.com. Look at all these numbers. 32nd first downs allowed. 31st in total passing yards. You're at the bottom of almost every single offensive statistic that teams throw at your secondary in the first half of the season. Is that Super Bowl football? No, but your front seven is. And the most important thing you do, you know what the most important thing you do is? You stop the run. I would much rather have a team that has not quite these horrific numbers. But if I'm the number, I I don't know if I've ever seen a team that's one of the worst pass defenses in the league. I mean, awful. Almost across the board. And so dominant against the run. But you know what that also comes down to? Rushing attempts. Why would I run the ball against you when I can hang in games with you throwing the ball? So was that number jaded a little bit? I don't know. We'll find out in the second half how good they are against the run. Why would I why would I bang my head against a wall when I know my best options are throwing the football against you? Why would I do that? If I know I could play pitch and catch with my guys, why in the world would I run? I'm going to throw it all day long against a secondary like 
this is terrible. And now you're going to be playing Dak again. You're going to be playing Allen. You're going to be playing, hey, whatever you think of Josh Allen, he puts up a ton of yards and he puts up a ton of touchdowns. Does he turn up? Yes, he does. So does Jalen. Well, to be fair to Jalen, he slowed that pace down massively, I think, over the last month. I do not believe Jalen Hurts is going to have 18 turnovers passing. I do not think he's going to have 18 um, interceptions. I, I, I think he'll hang around 13, somewhere in there. But I do not believe he's going to have 18 INTs. I don't see that guy putting that kind of number up. Do I think that Josh Allen could? I do. Okay? Do you need more blitzing? Probably. Okay? But how do you think those numbers translate? And by the way, this is not statistics. This is trends. So you take the entire nine-game body of work. You're one of the worst pass defenses, if not the worst pass defense in the NFL. The Bears are only really the worst. If you look at the numbers across the line, the Bears have the worst pass defense. The Eagles are second. They're the second worst. It's not getting better. Okay? You don't have anybody on that roster to make your football team better in the secondary. So you got to do it schematically. And you got to come up with ways to be creative, to slow teams down. Now, I will say this on the side of the Eagles that has been really great. Your points allowed helps you massively. Because teams are killing you from 20 to 20. They're not really killing you in the red zone. That's so vital. Look, <laughs> you may not be the greatest football team on the planet when it comes to red zone, but you know what you are? You're pretty good on that other side of the football by not allowing teams to kill you in points scored. That's a big deal. That's a big deal that they haven't. It's um, it's you know you know you know what it you know what it falls under. Bend but don't break stuff. That's okay. As long as your offense continues to trend up. And I think the offense, it, except for the run game, I mean, I'm going to sit here and bang on that thing over and over again. But what you're seeing is it is trending up. Because you know what you're seeing? You're seeing this. The run game is still kind of, you know, trending down a little bit. But what's trending up is the lack of turnovers. And that means your offense is getting better, in my opinion. Dude, anytime you don't make the shitty play, your offense is getting better. Whether your run game is not where it needs to be, as long as you're not turning the ball over and you're scoring 28 points a game and you're only giving up 20, you're hanging right there, man. Jason Kelsey said it last night. Do we have deficiencies? We absolutely do. And I'm going to make a point to you before we move on here on what I want to see also. You know what? I think this keeps you more engaged. Let me expand on that. You know, last year you guys were eight and one, right? And you guys just were killing teams. Sometimes I think you look up and you, you, I'm not saying you take your foot off the gas pedal, but you know what it does too, knowing that you have some deficiencies on your team? I think it keeps you more focused that you can't make mistakes. 
I think the focus level on the team this year is higher than it was a year ago because you don't have that margin of error like you did a year ago. I think that keeps you more focused at the task at hand. Hey, we're not running the ball as well. Can't turn the ball over. It's a week-to-week battle that you face sometimes. You know, when you're a good football team, or when, how about this? When you're a team like the Lakers were with Kobe and Shaq, you think they gave a shit about the regular season? Or do you think they kind of just kind of just wanted to get through it, get to the postseason, win their championships, and then go home? You know, you're kind of not engaged. You you put the sense of urgency. See, here is what I think. I think that's a positive. I think that's a positive. Eagle goes, we got 30 sacks this year. Hey, you got 30 sacks? You're damn lucky you got 30 sacks because your defensive secondary is god-awful. Okay, as a unit, it's god-awful. And and the trends say you're awful. Don't sugarcoat it. We got 30 sacks. You're lucky. Your front four is saving you. And the stabilization of the linebackers have have, have saved you. Okay, I think you got to bring more pressure in the second half to help that secondary out. That's you're going to have to do this schematically against Kansas City. Andy Reid is going to go for 550 yards on you if you don't give that team different looks than what you did the last two games you played them. You're not slowing Mahomes down. He could throw to guys from Missouri. And, and he's going to complete passes because that's kind of what you're doing here. Got a blitz. Got a blitz. I wouldn't mind even bringing the Kobe Dean when he's healthy. When he's off IR, bring him in. See if he can blitz. Get the kid Nolan Smith involved. Guy runs a 4-3, 4-4, blitz his ass. Run up the field, kid. You don't have to cover anybody. Hit somebody. Okay? Sacks are overrated? Who said that? Who said sacks are overrated? I wasn't talking about your sacks. I said your sacks are keeping you alive. And by the way, how many sacks have you had in the Washington games? Five? That guy threw for 700 yards on you. I mean, Sam Howell threw for 700 yards. That's not Josh. That's that's not Patrick Mahomes. Okay? <laughs> it's a different animal here is what we're talking about. Okay? Like, like you, 66-6 league average, those other numbers aren't. You're below water here. Here's what I want to see in the second half. I'm going to tell you what I really liked in the first half here, too. As we go into this week 10 of the NFL season. My favorite things that I've seen so far in the first half of the season with your Eagles. And I'm going to start with the positives here. 
I'd love to play of Jalen Carter more than anything I've seen so far this year. Easy to go to somebody that, you know, sees all the offensive numbers. And and I'm biased probably because the guy's playing defensive tackle. I think he's been the biggest um, impact player that you have had on that team. You take Jalen Carter off that defense, you probably got three losses. He is just a force. As a matter of fact, I don't know why he's not considered more in the conversation of not only just a rookie of the year defensively, why isn't he in the conversation for de- he, Hassan Reddick's not your best defensive player. He is. Say it. Jalen Carter's your best defensive football player. He's your best. He's impacted. What's the one thing different this year from last year? Get this. You lost your top five tacklers. And you're number one against the run? <laughs> Should we sign Sue? No. I think your tackles are playing outstanding, including Fletcher. But as a matter of fact, I'll get into it a little bit later. I don't have a problem having Fletcher Cox come back next year. I want him back. I think he's had a great first half for what they're asking him to do. He's been a little nicked up, but I love what he's done. Actually, since last year, midseason, to where he is right now, he's played great ball for you. Is he Fletcher Cox 17? No. But is he Fletcher Cox in a rotation that could help your team win ball games? Absolutely. That guy, that guy's thrown more people around this year, okay, than what you think. He's a really good football player, man. Dude, Jalen Carter has been the greatest thing that I've seen this. To me, of all the players on your football team, I've enjoyed watching him play the most. Quickness, feet, hands, get to the quarterback, bull rushing. That's why I'd like to see Desai move him around a little more. He is such a great-looking player. What a future ahead of him. He keeps everything focused. He could potentially be your best defensive tackle you've ever had in franchise history, and that includes JB. I mean, he is goodness night. How about this? Sills, is he the best player in the draft that we just had in April? I'm going to say Stroud because it's the most important position that if you redrafted him, I would go Stroud and then Carter, one and two. Then I would put um, I would put Witherspoon, three. Gonzalez four in that kind of category. I think Bijan is drafted right. I just don't think Atlanta's using him right. But Carter would be the second player taken in the draft, not the first, but he'd be the second. And I don't think it'd be close. Bryce Young's not good enough yet to be the first pick overall. He's got a long way to go. That organization's got a long way to go. And I don't believe in small dudes like that at that position. I think he's a great player. Too bad he's too small. He's like, the, he's in the Kobe Dina quarterbacks. He's not going to make it. He's just not physical enough to take the stand the hits. That kid Stroud, man, he is breaking down all kinds of barriers when it comes to the Ohio State quarterback. So you have to go with him number one overall. Okay. 
Uh, Christian Gonzalez, yeah, man, he was really good up in New England before he got hurt. He's probably up there too. You know, I would say that he's up in that conversation. But he's, I mean, the kid Witherspoon over in Seattle, you're going to get a good look at him. Remember, we? I told you he was my favorite player in the draft. I love the kid McCullough, or the, the guy from Washington that you guys all hated that I thought that the Eagles should take the corner. Guy's sensational. He's a ball hawk. He knocks people out. Told you he would have been a great fit for you. But again, um, not a problem with now because Jordan Davis is now playing and playing really well. So that's all worked out for both parties. But he was really a great-looking player, and we're going to get a chance to see him coming out of the bye. My second favorite thing that I've seen in the first half has been the play of A.J., the fact that this guy, the yards that he catches after the catch and how he's averaging 15 yards of play. I mean, think about it. You go to him four times. You're already in enemy territory. That's how great he is. And he drags people. He's better than Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's faster. And get this. You know what fast usually means? It's more flashier. A.J. Brown's not a flashy player. A.J. Brown's a dominant player like T.O. Like Randy Moss is a flashy player like Tyree Kill. These guys are great players. Not dismissing or dissing any of those guys. But to me, T.O., Michael Irvin, um, A.J. Brown, those guys that want to run you over and look to contact and are not afraid to block in the run game, those are guys I love. Physical presence, man. You're not going to take the football away from A.J. Brown. You're, that's, that's not going to be any of that. And to me, it, it's not so much his numbers that I'm impressed with. I love the way that when he catches the football in space, you can't get him down with one guy. I mean, he's – by the way, he's better than Debo. He's better than D.K. Metcalf. Um. Is he better than Justin? Uh, is he better than Justin Jefferson? Probably not. But I'll tell you what you do now do. You now forget the loss of Justin Jefferson in the draft because the Jalen Rager comment and the Jalen Rager draft has been covered by a 25-year-old superstar. See, I, I forgive Howie on Jalen Rager now. That's old news. Because you know why? You covered him with your mistake. You made a mistake. And you made a better move. What would you rather have? The better move? Or still live in the past with the mistake? Uh, he covered his mistake with a better move. Like, get this. Justin Jefferson, you lose him? Okay, no question. So you draft Rager. Well, you covered the Rager mistake. And you closed the gap on Jefferson with AJ. You're in a conversation with one of the better wideouts in the entire National Football League. Don't you think you covered that? That's what free agency is there for, to cover mistakes that you make in the draft. You make a mistake in the draft. With Derek Barnett, you get Hassan Reddick. That closes that gap, and you kind of look at that and go, okay, well, he knew he made a mistake. That's what you love about Roseman. He acknowledges his mistake with a great move. Damn, I can't get corners. Let me go buy some corners. Okay. Something Dallas won't do. They won't admit their mistakes because they fall in love with their guys. 
and they'll hang with their guys. And they'll hang with the Jalen Smiths. And you're like, I think Jalen Smith just signed with New Orleans or somebody. I think he's on his like eighth team or something now. And they gave that guy a contract extension because Jerry loved him. I mean, he threw money into a trash can and lit it on fire. You got better value at lighting the trash can on fire. Okay? Jason Kelsey's play has been exceptional. In my three years covering your football team, I think he's playing better football right now than he did in 21. He's really good. The way he gets up on the second and third levels, centers don't do that. Slipping and scooping. He's the quarterback, the tush push. How about this? He'll go down in NFL history as one of the creators of the tush push or brotherly shove. That was one of the greatest football plays of all time. When he leaves, when he leaves, you won't have that play anymore. Okay? When he leaves, that play's gone. You're not just going to put another center in there and run that play. You're not. Understand that. It's two dudes that make that play work. Kelsey and Hurts. Okay, do I think Jurgens is as quick as Kelsey? No, I do not. Okay, I do not. That play ends when his career ends. Okay, remember that. I remember I told you that. You will never see that play again. They'll run it, but they're not to the success. That's a personnel play. Because everyone else tries running it, and they can't. Well, there's only two things that are the common denominator. It's not just a Philly thing. It's Kelsey and Hertz that make that play work. Jordan Mulata is the greatest athlete on your team. I can't believe every single time that I, you know, and when you're critical of him and you see him get beat sometimes and you watch where he's come from in the last five years or four years that he's played ball, unbelievable. Unbelievable. What an athlete. I mean, he is the best. You could probably run him at tight end. That's how great an athlete he is. You could probably put him in the backfield and hand him the ball like he did when he played rugby. And he could be your power back if you ever really thought about it. He ran that way when he was in the rugby and we, when he was playing rugby at a high level. You could actually hand him the ball and he would be a damn good power back back there in your red zone. You couldn't stop him. Can you imagine him running behind that line too? And you run him up the middle like that, you couldn't stop his ass. What a football player he is, man. He's getting better and better and better. I would say this to you, that Jordan Mulata is really, he's enjoyable to watch. I'd put him probably in the top five offensive tackles left in the National Football League. Jeff Stoutland has done a remarkable job with him. Um, the evolution of Hurts continues. For some 
style of football that I don't really like, he makes you like him. Jalen Hurts makes you root for him. Never talks about himself. He never singles himself out in any way whatsoever. He's embarrassed about a salary. If This is how I feel about him. Um, he never puts himself above anybody or anything on the team. He's always there to – like that, that conversation that A.J. Brown and Hurts had on the sidelines. If that was T.O. and McNabb, you guys witnessed it. It was a fiasco. Those two guys handled it poorly. How did Jalen handle that? Like a professional. Somebody had to be professional. AJ's a hothead. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ripping him in any way. I am not ripping him. I'm saying that I think Jalen handled that. And I hey, how do you think Donovan McNabb would have handled that confrontation on the sideline? Just just for context here. How do you think? McNabb would have handled A.J. Brown on the sideline. You think that could unravel the team there? How do you think McNabb would have handled that? Curious. Just won't hang near for long. But how would McNabb have handled that? Okay. How would he have handled that conversation with A.J.? When A.J. came over to him, there was like a back and forth there. You already saw how McNabb would have handled it. He came at AJ for whatever, right? Not well. McNabb would have tried to hit him in the head with, with a chunky soup can. <laughs> that hurts. That's right, because McNabb's an insecure human. Jalen, you know what? That's really great, Ray. You know the thing that's probably the greatest asset in Hurts' game is that he loves who he is. And he's comfortable with who he is. You know how many football players? Shit. I still struggle with that. That sometimes in your life you're not comfortable with who you are because you're insecure. We're all, we all have got insecurities. It takes a superstar guy to keep that calmness about yourself when adversity hits. Dude, anybody could be a star when you're eight and one. Give, give me a little adversity when you get your job taken from you and show me who you are. That's why I learned one lesson too. You get fired from places, always remember the next guy's looking to see how you handle adversity. And you handle yourself with pride and dignity. And you don't go on social media talking shit to people or going into the media. The next employer is going to be more willing to hire you. Because you've handled yourself like a professional. People want professionals. They don't want people that are going to go blowing up on them. Telling secrets of what happened. Or this guy was an asshole. Or that guy's this and that. They don't want to hear it. Because one day you'll be fired by them too. Okay. Unfortunately, it's taken me 30 years to learn that. Jalen knows that in his 20s. Kudos to him. Here's something else I like. I like this guy, Sean Desai. 
Um, do I think he still has to prove some things in the second half, especially in this five-game stretch? I do. But so far, how about this? The boat hasn't gone down. I gave you all these numbers. Get this. <clears throat> and I'm going to go to Tone and all your – and get the, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to your guy's favorite number. Okay? I'm going to go to your favorite number. 31st in touchdowns allowed in the secondary. 241 completions, 31st. Number one, or the worst team in the league in giving up first downs, 129. 31st in total passing yards surrender, and you're 8-1. and one. Coordinator's got to get some love there for that. He's got to get some love for that. Yeah, Sills, all this is shit. Rate and one. Okay. I think the side moving people around, Gannon would never move people around. Okay. He would never experiment. I think Desai has more confidence in himself. And remember something, he's got a tougher task because he's coaching Jonathan Gannon's system, which he probably hates but he's working within the sandbox and trying to redefine it with lesser players in the secondary. He's got a ton of injuries in the secondary and he's working around all these obstacles. I think of all the coordinators and maybe all the coaches outside of Stoutland, I think Rocker's done a great job with that front four. Tracy's, I think Michael Clay's had a great year so far. Michael Clay, if there's an award for the most improved position coach, it's Michael Clay. Two years I seen that guy. Those special teams were terrible. And you know why? Now I know why. Because the roster is only set up in a certain way for the 22. Because after that, they believe in economics on the Eagles. Rightfully so, but it affects your special teams. You don't have a very expensive special teams. You don't play frontline guys on your special teams. There's not a lot of your first or second round guys. Well, now there's going to be with Nicobe's going to have to do some stuff there. I'm not even sure they'll put him there. But Michael Clay, if you were going to give an award, okay, for the most approved coach, it's him. All right? So he's done a nice job this year. Guy who doesn't get enough love is Aaron Moorhead, the Eagles wide receiver coach. The one of the only holdovers from Doug Peterson's staff. Isn't it crazy how good that guy's done too? And Chip Kelly's other guy is on that staff. That shows you something also that um, they, they do something like the Glazers do. The Glazers were notorious for this. You've seen a great assistant coach. You know what you do? You try to lock that guy up and keep him in your building as long as you can. I would not be surprised at the end of this year if Jeff Stoutland gets a contract extension and they make him the highest paid old line coach in the league, keep him in the building. It doesn't seem to me that he's aspiring to be a head football coach like Joe Bugle wanted to be one day. It wouldn't shock me to keep him in that building like they kept Jim Johnson, that they make sure that they keep that guy tied up for a long time 
And what they do is they also put no negotiations when it comes to contract talks that you can go out and talk to anybody else without compensation. They used to do that in Tampa. Um, when they had Tomlin and all them guys down there, Lovey Smith, in fairness, Sills, KC was last in pass defense last year. Okay. All right. Hey, by the way, LJ, I'm going to do something that, you know, I rip you on. You're eight and one. You're eight and one. Okay. Hey, LJ, LJ goes like this, but that's a great point. KC was last in pass defense last year. Um, they also had a guy throw for 5,400 yards and 45 touchdowns and Andy Reid. And they beat the team with the number one pass defense in the league. This is going to come down to the quarterback. And this is why I put the percentages out there. Okay? Everybody completes passes against you guys. Your margin of error this year. My point was, and maybe LJ, I should make it even clear. My point this year is, is that your margin of error is not here. You can't make mistakes like you could. You could drop the ball a couple times in games last year and not worry about it. This year, you give up a touchdown, You a guy goes to the right player, you're not recovering from that because you can't. Here's how he at the negotiation table with Stoutland. Stoutland, name your price. Okay, I'll double it. <laughs> Bring trucks outside. I would do the same thing. Remember what Jimmy Johnson said right here on this program? The only one coach in the building that I give a shit about, really, the guy that you have to have is the best O-line coach. He goes, I'll get rid of a D-line coach at any time. You have to have the best D-line point coach on the planet. Okay? You do. Oh, and 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 but but know this too. What LJ said about they were number uh they were last in pass defense. That's because they started rookies all last year and they started guys that they drafted. Now they have a top five defense. So they were getting better as they got to the Super Bowl, and that's how they beat you. It's one thing to look at trends and say they were last last year. Now they're a top five defense. And they're winning games because of defense this year. Offense is really okay still. He's on pace for about 4,700 yards. All right? But their defense is good. They got three guys on that team that are going to have near 10 sacks. Okay? They were getting better, better, and better. And do you know when it peaked? When they hit the Super Bowl. Okay, they peaked. They were going this way the whole time. You're not. The But hey, you know what though? I will say this to LJ's point. Do you know what is getting better though? Your pass rush. You have to up the volume of pressure to help them. That is totally why that secondary is struggling, especially at the corner position. And what, here, here's the two things that have happened this year. Injuries. It's not the coordinator. Lower volume of hits on the quarterback. And here's the bigger one. Lack of turnovers. You don't have the turnovers you had a year ago. You don't have the volume of pressure. And you got injuries. 
are these numbers shocking? When you put that in context, no. Right? You put that all in context. No. That's to be expected. You know, we were talking at the beginning of the year that this defense, remember what we said about the eight-game mark, nine-game mark, that this defense will start turning around? It can't. You don't have the turnovers. You have injuries. And the higher volume of pressures that you had a year ago compared to this year are down. Okay? And which means this. We said this yesterday as well. You have a higher volume of developing pass routes. What does that mean? The pass routes are deeper on you. That's why you're giving up your second worst in the league and passing yards. Why is that? It's not that they're catching 25 plus plays against you. Everything that I told you yesterday, I went and looked at the numbers. They're doing, they're doing the pitch and catch on you too. Cause you know how you know that. Okay. You're still only surrendering 20 points a game. You're going to win games hanging in there with that. But the reason you're giving up a lot of passing yards is because it's higher volume of play development downfield. You're not getting home. If you're not getting home, you don't. Sam Huff threw for 700 yards on you in two games. Had a 73% completion. Do you know Sam Howell this year, of all the quarterbacks you've played so far, has the higher, highest completion percentage of any guy you've played against? Sam Howell. 73.1. Sam Howell. With a guy who was on pace to be sacked 90 times. You're not getting home. You didn't get home in those games. Higher development of passing yards because of the routes. Bienemy knowing how to scheme you because he did it. You know, Eric Bienemy has schemed you three games in a row. He's two and one against you. And the other two in Washington, actually, he's two and two. Um, and all four games have been right down to the wire. He knows what he's doing when it comes to the Eagles. Okay? William said, should we blitz more? See, that comes down, William, to situationally. Third and long. Dude, blitz Smith. Okay? Sam Howell averaged 51.5 passes a game against us. You're not getting home. That's, thank you. You're not getting home. Okay? You're not getting home. I actually like Sean Desai. Now, here's the bad. Play at Bradbury. I think he's been exposed. I think the enemy exposed him. 
Um, and I think Belichick exposed him. I think that all the coordinators, you notice the defense, isn't it something that you've played against all these great defensive coordinators in the first half of the season? Bradbury, I think they figured him out and their offensive coordinator and them have gone back and said, this guy here, okay, you can turn him around. He's not very fast. And their safeties are not help. The safety play has affected him more than Slay. Slay's a better player because he's not as affected. But the safety play, has affected him more and the injuries more than Darius Slay. Okay. Last year, when you got really good safety play, he was a good player, played center field. No one got over the top on him, kept everything underneath. And these higher development plays and these bigger routes that are being run at him, that's the key to this. See, last year, you were having an epic year when it came to 70 sacks and all the pressures. What does that mean? You're talking about maybe five or six yards shorter in the pass route. This year, it's seven to eight yards more in the pass route, and they're deeper pass routes. He's not getting the help over the top, and it's affecting him. Okay? It's affecting his play. He's got to pick it up. The safety position... He's in chaos, okay? It's and, and Kevin Byard's got to stabilize it. You know, Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow have stabilized it. And they've stabilized the linebacker position. I want to make a point to you on something here also. On TJ Edwards. I know he plays on the shitty Bears. I want to show you something here. In the last three years, T.J. Edwards playing in the National Football League. He has 401, 401 tackles right now. Halfway through the third year. He's on pace right now for 500 tackles in three years. In 27 games, the last 27 games he's played, he has 271 tackles. This guy averages 10 tackles a ball game. And last year, he had 159. He's at the halfway point right now. Guess what? He's trending for 224 tackles this year. Now, obviously, they're on the field more. Still, when you say that to me, he's still productive. And how I know that this guy here is a great ball player, is that he did it in Philly. He's doing it in Chicago. Whether he's on the number one defense or the worst defense, he's productive. He can't help it they don't have pass rushers. He can't help it they don't have corners. He can't help it they're the worst pass defense in the NFL. All he can do is worry about what he's doing. This guy's going to have 500 tackles in three years of football. You think that's a loss for seven million bucks? And, and what really is troubling about you just letting him walk out the door 
It went 130, 159. Are you trying to tell me this year? Can you imagine if you had TJ Edwards behind Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, how much better your pass defense would be on tight ends? Not that he's a great cover guy, but how much stouter your run defense would be? It would be historic. Okay? Someone goes like this. TJ wanted to go home. Well, then pay him more. Hey, dude, Deshaun Watson didn't want to play in Cleveland until you gave him a king's ransom. And then you held him ransom. Eagles LB would have more tackles if the D-line sucked. Yeah, okay. He had 160 tackles last year. It's not like this guy's not producing everywhere he goes now. I would say this to you. You want to hear something else? Is TJ Edwards Roquan Smith, or is he any of those other guys? I don't know if he's those guys, but I'll tell you what. When it comes to stopping a run, in my opinion, as a linebacker that plays and fits gaps and plays the run and is productive, you got Edwards is a good ball player, man. Is he elite? Probably not. But is he a good football player? Is he somebody you want in your middle of your football team? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 500 tackles he's going to have in three years of ball. Another thing to keep in mind, the Eagles defense is ranked 20th in opponent completion percentage and 66th, 15th in pass yards attempt. Giving up 6-4, I saw that. It tells me that they're giving up. They will give up yards, but you got to drive the whole. Oh, I, 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 that's uh, that's what I said, Tone. They're they're putting this all this up twenty to twenty. And what Desai has done, and what they're doing a good job of, is red zone defense, keeping them out of the end zone. Okay, that's the thing that's saving them, is the fact that teams are not putting it in the end zone on them. It's the only thing saving that defense and the run defense. Got to get home more. Got to get home more. Devontae Smith's got to pick it up. Okay. What did I, what did I write down? Nico Collins. Um, who were the wide receivers that were having better years than him? Now, look, again, the guy on the other side is having a historic year. So you got to take that into consideration as well. But, I mean – you know, he he looks – I mean, I'm going to give you some numbers of some guys here that are, you know, ahead of him. I think in five games, Justin Jefferson – not that he's Justin Jefferson. I'm not doing that, but he's played in nine games. Jefferson has more catches and more more yards – or I think more yards than him in five ball games. Now, he's a focal point in a number one. And the number one guy in Philadelphia. So it's all, almost not fair. But all of you guys kept telling me 1A, 1B. Well, he's totally become B this year. And rightfully so. Not a rip. But we'd like to see. And I'm going to make a point here. Why? That this seems kind of odd here. Because I'm going to get to another guy here. Uh, let me see. What did I write down here? That there were some other guy Here. Nico Collins, Adam Thielen, and Michael Pittman all have better numbers. Now, those guys are number ones. So 
There's no longer the debate that you have two ones. You don't. You have a guy who's potentially going to be your number one in five years from now. Because right now, AJ is clearly the number one guy. Okay? Remember, those other guys are the focal guys. They're number ones. And AJ has been put in the role at number two. And he and they have solidified that. That he is clearly the second option. He's no longer the first option on that team. Where a year ago, there was kind of, you know, one week it was here. One Didn't he have more catches last year than um, A.J. Brown? That won't happen this year. Did he, wait, did he have more catches last year than A.J. Brown? Okay, he had more catches last year. That number will not be near that this year. Now, fairness, A.J. has been put in the first role. But I wouldn't look at and say this. You just got to pick it up a little more. Maybe that's coordinator. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's coordinator. And I'm going to get to that point here. Olamide Zacchaeus. How many people know how many yards he has after nine games? Your third wide receiver on the field. Does anyone know how many yards he has? Dumb take? Well, let's find this take out. Does anyone know how many yards he has? 200. How many yards does Olamide Zacchaeus have? In nine games. Your number three wide receiver. Look at what some of the people are thinking. 200, 170. Eighty-seven. You got a guy in a football field. What's he doing? He's a. Why do you have him on the field? Just to cover a position because you have to have eleven. He's got eighty-seven yards. It's the most non-productive position in the entire offense. You get nothing out of three. Shit, Quez Watkins was more productive. Depth? It's not depth when you don't use them. 87 yards? How many people think less than, what is it, eight yards? You think eight yards a game out of your number three wideouts productive? Eight yards a game. I don't even know how many catches he has. How many catches does he have? He's got 87 at the halfway mark. You're number three wide out. And your so-called pass happy offense has under 100, excuse me, under 90 yards. Not only are you not balancing your passing attack, you're not balancing your running attack. It's Hurts and A.J., That's it, baby. It's Hurts and AJ and everyone else. 
Devontae's been put in a two role. Your three receiver is nowhere. Now, um, Swift has picked up that role. Okay? They played nine games, dude. Dirty. How does he get 10 yards a game when he's got 87? About that. It's about 10. Yeah, that's about. He's got six catches for 87 yards. That's your three guy? <laughs> six. I like the kid, too. I think I think when they go to him, he makes plays. I like the way he blocks in the run game. I, I like the way he I like I like the kid. I don't think he's a bad ball player. You're just not going to him. Six catches. This is a starting position. This isn't a backup. This is a starting position on your offense. 87 yards, six catches. The halfway mark. So he's on pace right now to have less than 200 yards receiving and 12 catches this year. You would call that productive? Travis goes, I'm talking bullshit when I point out a fact he's got six catches for 87 yards. Those numbers are bullshit. We're halfway through the season here, dude. That's not one game. Who cares? Who cares? Okay. So you put all your eggs in one guy. And you're not really as productive as you are with the other guy. Shut down AJ, you're in trouble. Against Kansas City. Don't you think that's what they're looking at now? They're going to try to keep that guy under 100 because these other guys. Devontae, I think it's about preference what hurts right now. And preference. The kid's playing great, AJ. You go to you keep feeding the guy. I'm not saying you don't. But if you had a little more balance in your passing attack, wouldn't that open him up more? If these other numbers, now listen, I think this because of because of Goddard going down. How about this? Do you think that they establish Devontae more? Swift? Or Olamide Zacchaeus to try to cover some of that without pissing AJ off because he's not getting his targets. Somehow in this Kansas City game, you're going to have to cover those. That I'm not even talking about the run game here. I'm talking about you get nothing out of three. Zero. You get zero production out of your three guy. All year long, you've got nothing out of that. Nothing. Two touchdowns, I think. Okay. But theoretically, for nine games, you've got nothing out of that.
I, I, I think right now in this off, se- off week, I think they got to look, and especially against Kansas City, I think you got to do, do more intermediate. I think you're going to see a lot more swift. And maybe the three guy, wide receiver three, because the guy that they're going to want to catch the ball is the – I want Devontae to catch the ball. I don't want AJ catching it. I'm going to – and I don't believe you're very physical as a running running back core. Your old Lions physical as hell. And, and, and one more time about that, because I hear people say this. Well, Miles Sanders was an average back. Okay. He didn't have average numbers last year. And you guys told me that anybody can run behind that old line. Well, Swift can't. Game will has more receiving yards than Oz. Last year when Dallas got hurt, Smitty's production increased. It did. It did. Okay? It did. It did. And, and, and like I said yesterday, you're getting nothing out of three. Last year's offense had 2,000 rushing yards between two dudes, Hertz and Miles, and 24 touchdowns. That's why the margin of error with the, off- with the defensive secondary being the way it is, that's why you're seeing these closer games. Jason Kelsey said it last night on the telecast. We have a lot of deficiencies on this team compared to what we, you know, I think it keeps you more focused. I do. But those are the deficiencies in the first half of the season, whether you want to address it or not. And remember something about being eight and one, which is awesome. You always roll back to that. You're halfway home. You're halfway through the marathon. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And you're leading the marathon. That doesn't mean you win the race. Ask yourself that question last year. You didn't win the race. You stumbled at the finish. That's a fact. You stumbled at the finish. So we're halfway home here. The right guard position has not been addressed effectively enough, and I think it's affected the run game more than you think. Offensive lines are cohesiveness, togetherness. And Isaac Sayamalo has been a factor in Pittsburgh. You know, the numbers really don't dictate it, but the record does. They look a little bit more balanced. You know, they're hanging around 90 yards rushing. The quarterback situation is atrocious. But he's done a nice job in Pittsburgh, and they're five and three. Isaac Sayamalo has been a good addition to the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, where two years ago, even three years ago, it was a train wreck. And when they moved off of Marquise Pouncey and they had to start getting new pieces in there, Sayamalo's been a nice fit there. And he's been a loss in he's been a loss in Philly. He's been felt. Okay. He he has. And as as my last one here for coordinators, I would like to see um, Brian Johnson feed Smith a little bit more, create some more passing routes for him. Now that Goddard's out, get him the ball a little more. Okay, 
How about some quick hits? Here's the thing you want to get with him. And here's what I would want with Devontae Smith. That guy's deadly in open space. I think he's more elusive than AJ. AJ's a power receiver. I want to see Devontae in more jet sweeps. I want to see him more in, you know what? Almost I want to see him use like Debo, not up the middle running the ball. I don't want to see him in there, but I'd like to see a little bit more creativity and getting him open. It's too bland for him. Out route, sideline route, seam. It's not real. Like, I mean, you, you know, if you're a D coordinator, you're not, you're not, you're not breaking your mind over the routes they run. These guys are so talented. It's very uncomplicated. It's not a complicated offense. I want to get him in more space. That's how I look at him. I want to see him in more space. Last year, Sanders, OU rushing yards was 22.5. He finished a game with minus. Hey, Chris, he had 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. You could slice that shit up any way you want. Two guys had 2,000 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. You will not come near that this year. That is physical running the ball. Whatever you say. Those numbers all equated out to 2,000 yards between two men and 24 touchdowns. Okay? Your number one running back in the red zones, your quarterback. They didn't use the third wide receiver last year either. So you think 87 yards is productive. Okay. Um, we're going to talk to our friend Tone. He'll be with us at the bottom of the hour. We'll take a look at week 10 of the National Football League as well. Slight, hey, slight Devontae into the slot. Julio Jones at two. No, if I'm getting um, I'm not going that route there. All right, let's do this. Let's take a timeout. Don't forget our great friends at Hooters. Folks, please do me a favor. Make sure you get there, man. Absolutely sensational stuff. We really appreciate it. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. And when you roll into any one of the locations, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sill sent you. The perfect pair.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Grossinger is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Football show. Appreciate you coming aboard. Philly Godfather, baby, at 5:30. He is kicking ass since he came on the program. Kicking ass. That'll be at 5:30. Bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to our friend Tone. I want to do this here also. How do you feel about coming out of a bye facing Andy Reid, who's 27 and 4? Off a of bye. It just beat you about five months ago six months ago think about Andy Reid as your first opponent coming out of the bye week 27 and 4 what makes him 27 and 4 why is he such a good coach coming off of a bye like that obviously you saw what he did also Sirianni's 2-0 and I'm talking about a guy who's 27 and 4 and just beat you in the Super Bowl. You can, again, hollow numbers when you're talking about the reigning Super Bowl coach and five AFC title games. This guy's been to 10 conference title games. He's won two Super Bowls, and he has won, what, four conference championships versus Nick Sirianni. It's dumb. That that actually makes you look pathetic when you make a comment like that. When you're going against a resume like Andy Reid. I mean, 2-0, great. Okay, let me see. One, two, three, four. He's got four, he's got four conference championship rings, two Super Bowls, and he's been to 10 conference title games. And he's won 20 postseason 
football games, 21 postseason football games. He's second only to Belichick. And you're talking to me about 2-0 coming out of a bye. And he's got Mahomes. Man, you guys will make chicken chick look like chicken soup any day, can't you? But it don't work here because that's dumb. Why is Andy Reid so amazing at 27 and 4 coming out of a bye? What would give you, what would make you think why he's so great coming out of a bye? Sue goes, who cares? Well, you'll care. Who cares? Cost you Super Bowl. You're playing against a guy who just beat you in the Super Bowl. That's why you should care. He schemed you up in the second half and had DBs running into each other. You should care. He made you look stupid in the fourth quarter. Steve Spagnuolo made you look stupid. You should care. He outcoached you. That's the point. That's why you should care. He out, he, Sue goes, who cares? It's because he outcoached you. Sirianni's 2-0. Well, let's see. Andy Reid's 2-0 against you. Actually, 3-0. Two weeks of preparation. For that Super Bowl. Uh, two weeks of preparation, too, also with the you, – you finish on Friday. You get the full week. You come back. Plus, he gets an extra day because it's Monday night. Um, Let's see. I would make this point to you. One of the things that Andy Reid is better at – can I say this to you? When I look at Andy Reid, I think he's the Bill Belichick version of offense. If that makes sense to you, there's two coaches in the National Football League that could go down as the greatest play calling guys of all time. One on the defensive side, one on the offensive side. Andy Reid, in my opinion, I think Andy Reid is the Bill Belichick of offensive coaches where Belichick is that defensive genius. I think Reid is that offensive genius. That's what makes him great. And you know what really else, too? He's, he, he evolves so much, and he's still evolving. His reference points that he has in his offense, he's constantly looking for new reference points on how to get Mahomes better every single game. And you know how he's getting him better? In repetition, and also in this being more of a student of the game. The more you study on something – the more educated you're going to become on it. And that's the evolution of Mahomes here, is that this guy is evolving still to this day, and the coach is bringing the kid with him. What you want to do one day is you want that world to collide. You want the coach and the player to be evolving at the same time. That's what you had in New England. That's what you had in San Francisco with Montana and Walsh. And that's what you have in Kansas City with Reed and Mahomes. It's evolving to a point where they're right here. Look, they need one another. You never want this, right? One coach is here. The player's down here. That's where Sean McVay thought Jared Goff was. 
He thought he was here and McVay was here. Well, guess what? That's why they got rid of him. And this is why Matthew Stafford and him for that one year, that's why this doesn't last long. When you get that shit going like this over a decade and it keeps getting better and the player keeps evolving like that, that's the thing that Andy Reid, I think, does so well. His reference points when it comes to his offense and how he how he moves the sticks and how he moves the chains, it's constantly evolving. It's an evolution of watching his offensive play calling, too. He's a better second half. In my opinion, I think he's a better second half play caller now than he was in Philly. And I also happen to think he is a better going into halftime and two-minute two-minute drill coach than he was in Philly. All right. Let's bring my friend in, Tone. He joins us each and every single day, Monday through Friday at 3.30. Big sales. How you doing, sir? <clears throat> Appreciate you coming aboard here, man. I laid some things out. In the, first off, uh, any, anything you heard that we were talking about so far in the first hour and a half here that kind of stuck out to you? Uh, I know, I know we briefly, we briefly touched on the, uh, the wide receiver three position, uh, for the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles, you know, prior to the Goddard injury, you know, by my estimation, I would, I would consider the pecking order because regardless, every offense has a pecking order or every quarterback has his go-to guy. Every offense has that secondary guy, so on and so forth. So for me, the Philadelphia Eagles pecking order, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift. And then that number three receiver, whoever's there at the time, because they swap those guys out often. Sometimes you see Olamide on the field. Sometimes you would see you would see Quez on the field if he was healthy. And now you're seeing Julio Jones on the field at that time. So when you think about that picking order from all the way up to number one, all the way down to number four, the likelihood of the number four option being a high contributor of the offense is pretty slim. So I say that to say. Although I, I although I am a fan of Ola Media and what he can provide, because I think he's a I think he's a pretty good route runner, um, you know, for what he provides. And I also think he has good hands, and he has good speed for the position. He does all the grunt work, all the scrapper work you want your number three to do. Um, just based off the way this Philadelphia Eagles offense operates, I don't think they're hard pressed to get the ball to a guy like uh, a number four wide receiver. So, so it's an um, it's an it's an inconsistent. It, it really they have no significance to that position. Some offenses prioritize it, some don't. Depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I wonder what Kansas City's number three guy has in reception. All their guys, all their guys are number threes. <laughs> so <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> well, they beat you with number threes last year. Yeah, yeah, but that's not necessarily relevant to the question. You know, you know, you're asking more. They so, spread the ball around more. Sure, they have no choice though. They have okay. no choice. He threw for 5,400 yards doing that. When, when that's, I mean, that's Mahomes. He's a, he's an anomaly. He's a special cat. When you think about when he had Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, who was getting the majority of those targets, Travis Hill and Kelsey, he fed those guys. So, I mean, that's what happens. I mean, Kelsey right now, um, what's, what's what's the target differential for Kelsey versus everyone else? Because oh, it's got to um, be it's it's got to be AJ Brown kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's similar. Um, Kelsey had kind of he's having a rough couple of weeks. Uh, I know. I, I think he's only on pace for. I mean, only one oh eight. I mean, yeah, you know, I, only. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> for a tight, I, I know, I right? He's, uh, only. I think he's, I think he's I think he's missing Taylor Swift. That could be it, but you know. <laughs> oh, you what are you what are you saying? That Frankfurt trip kind of broke his little heart a little bit. <laughs> oh man, that's all, all I know is if I'm away from my wife too long, I get a little antsy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I know this man. My old lady's not around me, man, and I'm by myself, man. I I could light the house on fire. I could do anything. 
candles break, everything. It's like a, the fire alarms go off. It's never a good sign, man. Don't ever leave me right. alone. No, I can't you. go anywhere but, with but that. But to your point, though, I do think I, I would love to see our opportunity this way. Every time they've gone to Olamide, he's he he's he's done something with it. He hasn't hurt you. So I was so I appreciate his contributions, whatever, whatever, whatever they are. I like him but, too. Yeah, I I like I like him more than Quez. Um so I'll look at it like this. When you have a guy in your offense, AJ Brennan, that's so dominant, that's that, that's so effective. And then you have a guy named Devontae Smith after the fact that like these guys win, these guys win most of their matchups eight times out of ten. So when you have options like that, I mean, am I really going to go through all my progressions to find Olamide? Now, if he's wide open, he's okay. I'm, 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 I'm gonna throw him the ball, but I mean, no. But I'm, the reason why I bring up the number three position not being a factor is because mm -hmm. now that you've lost Goddard, right? You're gonna have to find other options now to get people open. I agree. And, and 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 to your point now that they're going into the second half of the season, don't you think it would be an advantage for AJ? if you were able to get more people open so that he could be even more open instead of facing double teams each other, that could wear a guy out too, you know? When no, you're facing I, double I, I and triple teams now too, if you know that you're not going to other people as much, and you're 22% of the targets, is that a high number, Tone? Um, Because that's what Kelsey, somebody mm. just said that. I don't know if that's true or not. But mm. somebody said that Kelsey gets 22% of the, uh, the targets. Is that high? Um... I mean, he's a number one. I mean, it's. I mean that. I I, I feel like that percentage. If, if that's the case, I feel like is that that's high. I don't know. I, I don't high. know. I don't is think it? that's high. I mean, if I okay, if 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 I throw the ball a hundred times and twenty five percent go to it, one guy, twenty five go to one guy. Kind of, I guess. I mean, I, yeah, I guess. But I mean, if he's the man, what, what, what do you expect? Like, <laughs> you know, it's 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 the pecking order of things, man. I can't. Really, I'm not throwing it to Tolbert. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I, I guess I'll look at it like this, right? If if AJ was struggling or if there or if, if teams have shown uh, an ability to kind of stick it to him, then I would probably see the Philadelphia Eagles trying to get a little bit more creative outside of that. But, you know, again, you got and then, but also I you bring up a good point, though, regardless of this, Goddard is out now. So you're going to have to figure out more creative ways to get Devontae the ball. You're going to have to find more ways to get Julio the ball, Swift the ball. I would love to see them create more, more, more offense for Julio and Olamide during the stretch, but I think Devontae's targets are going to skyrocket because of Dallas got being out. So a guide fact checker says 32% go to AJ. Okay. That's pretty significant over – now, again, different positions too, tight end and wide out. I mean, you know, I mean – I don't know. I, I, I never looked at it that way. What's really high, high volume versus, and, and again, high volume, high production. Okay, shit. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I mean, if I'm giving you all the food and you're, you're rolling us to safety, I'm going to give you all the food. I'm not going to give it to a stiff. I mean, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Like uh, Tua, Tua and uh, Tariq, uh, Tariq accounts for, uh, 31%. Uh, I'm sorry, 32% of Tua's targets. Now Waddle's been out a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah. Waddle's uh, Waddle missed one game, but he's been kind of okay. in and out. He's kind of been in and out of games, though. Like, he, he's kind of like he'll play, but he'll miss some snaps because he's hurt. But he, in, in grand total, he's missed one game. Um, and then as far as you know, let's think about another team, right? The Dallas Cowboys because they feed CD a lot. 
So the Dallas Cowboys, uh, C. That's got to be high. Um, he has 72 targets right now. Dak has 265 attempts. Holy so cow, 72. He's target for 150 targets? 265. So CD wow. Lamb, uh, Lamb accounts for uh, 27% of oh. Dak's targets, but Dak has only thrown the ball 265 times. Oh, so, okay. So that kind of like levels that out a little bit. Yeah, well, you um, bet. That, that, that's, that's a huge number on his attempts. Yeah. And then if you think about the Chargers with Herbert, right? Herbert's throwing the ball 282 times. Keenan Allen has 83 targets. So I know that's going to be a high number. 83 divided by gotta be 35. I, 282. 83 divided by 282 equals that's about 29%. 29. So, and again, Herbert from a passing attempt perspective, like who would have thought there would be a point in the season where Justin Hurt, I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts has more attempts than Herbert? Who would have thought that? Any Never. Point? So, um, I'm not sure. You know, what's going. You, you know, this tone that was one of the reasons why I said that he'd never throw for 4,000 yards is because of the attempt, no, it, 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 made, it made sense because of the because of the attempts. You know, if we right. don't, if we're and, not anticipating the attempts to go up, his pass percentage continuing to grow, he's totally going to do it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, without a, without a doubt, without a doubt. So you know, we, and also what I'm noticing right here now, now that I'm looking at the Chargers, there it looks like to me, okay, they have 283 total pass attempts on the season, and they have 208 rush attempts. They're trying to have. It looks like they're trying to have a more balanced attack. Even with that being like. out a couple times. Yeah, yeah, that's hey, exactly what's, what it looks like. What's on the Chargers team? What's the number three guys target? What's the number three guys catches? Uh, the number three guy. So if we're if we're going in order of okay, the number three guy it looks like Receiver. is okay. Let's see here. It would have been Mike Williams, but he got hurt earlier in the yeah. season. It's only three yep. games. Yep. yep. So should I skip him because he's not playing? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Please. Yeah. He, okay. He's not a factor. Okay. All right. So then in that case, I'm just going to go by the, the games played then because in that case, the number two would be Quentin Johnston, and the number three would probably be Joshua Palmer. So. Actually, no, Quentin Johnston is the number three. Okay, so the number three, uh, Quentin Johnston, uh, the guy they drafted, um, eight games played, 14 receptions, 24 targets, 128 yards, no touchdowns. And that's the guy they drafted in the first round. See, what I'm looking for is context and what that number is. And maybe the only outlier right. is Kansas City. And the reason that I'm looking at that three-hole is maybe that's a position now with Goddard being out, Tone, that you try to find some mismatches because how many teams do you think have a slot – a slot safety or another safety that could hang with a guy in a three hole. Most teams don't have two safeties. So yeah. what I'm saying is I'm trying to get mismatches in my passing game and not just isolated on AJ. I'm looking to try to cover. So maybe you do more go to Swift um, and you, maybe you line him in the slot. Yeah, cause, maybe but you I'm... put him out there. Maybe you get him more quick, quick throws and, you're able to use him more to help the run game a little bit too. Yeah, the trend I'm seeing also with a lot of these teams is when it comes to the order, when it, when it comes to the number of targets, these teams are going wide receiver. Again, this is this, I'm going I'm going off target count, right? A lot of these teams are going wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, okay. then then wide receiver or or second tight end. So a lot of these teams. Kind of have this kind of follow the same pecking order as the Eagles. Number one receiver, number two tight end, and then number three receiver, who whoever it is for you. So, um, what the Eagles are doing isn't necessarily an anomaly, but I think it's more so the production that's probably um, you know that's glaring. For example, um, 
for the for the Buffalo Bills, their number one target is Stephon Diggs. Their number two target is Gabe Davis. Their number three target is Dalton Kincaid. And then a number four target would have been Dawson Knox, but I think he's gotten hurt. So the, so the trend is the tight end is the three-hole guy. Yeah, that's the trend I'm seeing for a lot of these teams. The trend is the, the number three option typically is the tight end dependent. I mean, unless you're KC and he's the number one. But for the most part, I'm seeing here a lot of these teams. Um, okay, the Saints, on the other hand, they lean on their wide receivers and their running backs. You know, Alvin Kamara is that dual threat guy. Um, they don't really throw to the tight ends like that in, uh, in, in New Orleans. I think they got one. That's a good you, know, point. you know what, Tone? You know what I would do if I was New Orleans? I would I would use Tyson Hill more as my tight end in that offense to try to get yeah. him more involved in it some way. You're paying the guy 10 million bucks. Why don't you utilize that, that? I really can't believe, man, he got that kind of money, man. Dude, um, they gave him 10 million a year. Bro, he's a he's a, bro, he's a he's a plumber. He just he's he just does random things. Like he's just he's a plumber with the crack. Right? I mean, dude, he's the whole th- I mean, I, I I was like, you gave that guy 10 million bucks. Hey, listen, a year. you know that guy that you know that guy that always comes into the barbershop or like he's walking around the city and he has a he has a trench coat full of all this different stuff he's selling. That's yeah. Taysom Hill. He just has he just has he has an answer Swiss for Army everything. knife. Swiss Army knife, dude. He just has everything. Hey, CDs, DVDs, lock picks, whatever you need. Uh hey, listen. Hey, I got, I got a, bl- a knockoff Rolex. <laughs> hey, 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 listen, I got a blender right here. You got you, you need a blender. It's like, where the hell did you pull Where'd a blender you get from? that thing from? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I got it for you. How much? $10? All right. <laughs> but, All right, yeah, Tony, I got a question for you, you here. Do you think that the birds need to go four and one over these next five to lock up home field advantage? Need to? No, I think they need to go three and two. That's the need. Um, would I like them to go four and one? Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh I think I think 13 wins can be the magic number uh in this conference. And this is real, this is really my main reason why. And I've been talking to me and Rob been kind of breaking this down all week because you know it's the bye week and we're trying to really get a, a good feel for you know everyone else and the opponents. But the main team I'm paying attention to in terms of in terms of being on our tail for the number two for the number one seed. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not really focused on the Lions, uh, even though they are they are six and two, right? They're six and two, yep. but I don't think they and can. And they get the Chargers this week. Exactly. And uh, I ha- I had the Lions winning that game, I believe. I-, I think I said that in the last show. I have the Lions winning that game. But I think the, I think the Chargers can steal it. You know, you feel me? So, um, it's I- in course- L.A. Not right. that that matters. Right. Right. <laughs> not, that, not that that matters. Right. So, um, you know, we've been really thinking about the top teams that can really challenge the Eagles for the number one seed. And I think the magic number is 13 wins for the Eagles. And here's why. I'm looking at the Dallas Cowboys' upcoming schedule. You know, as of right now, they're five and three. Uh, I, th- I think we all can safely assume they're going to beat the Giants and beat the Panthers, so that will put them at seven and three, right? Yep. So after that, that's Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. I, I I'm, I'm lately I'm putting a lot more respect on the Commanders because that quarterback seems like he's starting to get more and more yeah, comfortable. I'm, I'm, he, I'm a fan. He, I'm, I, I like him. I ain't gonna lie. I like him. He's throwing the ball across the yard. He's second in the league in passing yards. Um, huh? Yeah, yeah. Sam Howe was second in the league in passing yards. Yeah, he just threw three hundred. He just threw three hundred yards on the Patriots last week. Yep. So, um, so when it comes to the Cowboys, if, assuming they beat the Giants and Panthers, they're going to be seven and three, right? And, and, and that final, what is that? That final seven game stretch for the Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. I think it's entirely possible um, the Cowboys go four and three in that stretch, even five and two. But even if they do go five and two, that's twelve that's, wins. That's only that's only what uh that's 12 wins. That's 12 wins. That's 12 wins. So if the Eagles go 
13 and four, that's the number one seed like the for you right there. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. I, I, I don't believe I don't believe the Dallas Cowboys can make it through that final seven game stretch completely unscathed. Um, hey, Tone, I, you say three and two. I don't know, man. I might go two and three. <laughs> I mean, oh, you mean uh, the, 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 so you mean uh, three and four. Three, Three and four. four, because I'm going to say this to you. I'm with you, who, though. I'm with you. And I'm who's, just, who I, the Dallas Cowboys beat this year that made you say they're a contender? I know. I'm with you. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to be. I'm just trying to put a little more respect on that defense. Um, but ultimately, you're right. I'm like, okay. Let's let's really go. Let's really go one by one. They put the Commanders twice. The first time they play them is at home. They're going to lose one of them. They're going to lose one of them. That, I honestly believe that. I, I think they're going to lose one of them. And also the commanders, it's something about they play us all tough. They're going to push them. And, and also Sam Howell, the last time he played the Cowboys, he beat them. And, we, and a and lot we, of those coaches are coaching for their jobs. Exactly. And uh, so so I, I think I think they split with the commanders. Yeah, so I that's, do too. So that's one and one, right? The Seahawks um, at home. They're going to drop they, that. You think so? Wait, it's in Dallas? Yes. I think They'll they win, win that. that. I think they win that. And then – uh, they meet the Cowboys again. Uh, the uh, the Eagles beat the Cowboys again. If I'm being realistic, I think the Eagles split. Okay, let's let's. How about this? We go with history. Okay. That they split. Okay. Okay. So they split there. They win that. Okay. So all right. So that's one and one with the Commanders. Then then they beat the Seahawks. So that's two and one. They beat the Eagles. That's three and one. That leaves Bills, Dolphins, Lions. Well, they're gonna lose maybe two of those games. That's my know. belief. That's my belief. I think they're gonna lose two of those games. So so that would put that would put them at four and th- four and three. You watch, I think Buffalo beats them. They beat the uh they beat the Dolphins and then they drop it to the Lions. Yeah, because yeah, because but here's the thing though. Here's here's what's fascinating. They got Bills and Dolphins back to back on the road. Yeah, they're gonna lose one of those games. So I, I think they'll lose, I think they'll lose the Bills games, they'll beat the Fens because I don't think the Fens. They have not shown me that they can hang with contenders. You got to beat somebody, dude. Before I'll go like this to you, um, you know, it, it, you have not beating any. If when you look at Miami, who have they beaten that makes you go, "Wow, oh yeah"? Every time they've lined up against a contender, they've been beaten. Yeah, that's true. Buffalo beat them. Eagles beat them. They had a chance last week against Kansas City. Kansas City let them back in. They were up 17-0 in Frankfurt. Yeah, man. I'm honestly, I, I, I really see that. I, I see the Cowboys in the next And I season. think that Lions team, Dan Campbell's gonna have that team chomping at the ankles. Yep. <laughs> I got the <laughs> I honestly got the Cowboys finishing the season 12 and 5. 12 and 5. Be three straight years they've had 12 wins going nowhere. Yep. And then the Detroit Lions, again, another team that's kind of on the hill, the heels of the Eagles. Gotta 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 pay attention to them. But, and, and they've got good – they've beat – if I'm not – they beat Kansas City in KC. Yep. Did they beat Seattle? I know they got trucked they by lost, Baltimore. They, they lost to Seattle. Their only quality victory Did they was, lose in overtime yes. to uh, Seattle? No, no, no. Uh, that was that, – I don't think that was overtime. That was, yes, it was. It was overtime. Yes, correct. It was overtime. Um, it was an overtime game, so they barely got past Seattle. But this – see, here's my thing with the Lions, right? Okay, you okay, you beat the Chiefs at you you beat the Chiefs on the road 21 to 20, but I'm I don't want to take nothing away from it because they had to do the work. But it was week one, no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey. It's like we and you beat them by one point. So I mean they did it, 
it's a cool thing for them to have on a resume, but how much stock can I put into the variables? And I just can't because it's week one and anything can happen in week one. Um, other than Tom, that, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me push back one thing on you. I hear so you. that means then that you, you take credence in the loss to the jets that you, hmm. I mean, do you, do you, do you look at the jets loss and go like this? Hey, you know, I have to, you know, do I look at it that that's a big deal? Looking at it. On oh the no no end? no no! I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that's an indictment on the Chiefs. I'm saying that it's an the, indictment on the Lions. No, not, it's not an indictment on anybody. I'm just saying I don't know how much I I, I don't know how much that win. I have to about agree with you. I'm just and, arguing with you. No no I, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, because all right like really okay like really think about this right okay you beat the Chiefs all right you earned that. But you lost to the Seahawks, a top team in your division. I mean, I'm sorry, a top team in your conference. You beat the Falcons. Okay. You beat the Packers. Okay. You beat the Panthers. Okay. You beat the Buccaneers. You lost to the Ravens, 38 to 6. Crushed. And then you beat the Ra- and then you beat the Raiders 26-14. It's like the moment you really came across some teams that really So you're still not sure who they are. I'm not sure who they are. Remember how last year the Eagles had that really, really easy schedule? And a lot of people still was like questioning like, you know, the legitimacy, the legitimacy of them. And it's like, yeah, I understood that. But that they were stacked all across the board. The Lions and healthy. Talent, and healthy. The Lions, they're talented. But I would never say this Lions team is as talented as that Eagles team last year. I would never say that. So oh, absolutely not. Right. Absolutely so, not. so, so, so when I think, when I put all that stuff in perspective, it's like, that's okay, one of the got, best rosters ever assembled. That didn't that that didn't win a Super Bowl, but don't get me started, man. Yep. No, um, no, no. I would say that <laughs> I would say the uh, seventeen and zero Patriots and the uh, Eagles two thousand twenty two team has to mm. be like you know when you have that list of teams that didn't win the Super Bowl when yeah. it comes to rosters. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two of the greatest rosters I've ever seen. I'll say this to you about Kansas City too. That loss to Denver doesn't look as bad as it did before because it looks to me now that Denver is riding the ship there, and you're seeing uh, Russell Wilson play complimentary football. You're mm-hmm. seeing that defense settle down a little bit more, and I think Sean Payton, I'm not saying they make the playoffs. I don't think so. They're four and five, but are they four and five? Three, uh, three and five. Three and five. Okay, so they're still a mountain to get out of that hole still. They still got just to get back to 500 just to get yeah, back yeah. to five. They're still they're still kind of and I, I know they're 15. And they got Buffalo Monday night. Hey, listen, I think that game is going to be tougher than what Buffalo may think. It's in Buffalo, but I do too. That's going to be a very competitive game. I don't know who's winning that game. Do you? No, I I I look personally, they've lost guys in their secondary. There's a ton of injuries and in they got Buffalo a lot of injuries on defense, secondary. a lot. Um, the run game, okay, so you signed Leonard Fournette. I don't know. Um, you know, they're bitching about the coordinator again, Ken Dorsey. Really? To me, Denver is playing better football, and I think Wilson's playing better football. That would not shock me. They go in there and win that game. Now, we'll say this. Buffalo, the players, the offense in particular, they just had a players-only meeting uh, with the offense. I'm curious. I'm curious. What spark that provides. Um, we, know, you know, we, we know football is an emotional game, so and they're at home. They're coming off of a bad loss in Cincinnati last week. They know they have this. This is a must-win game for them. 
this is a must-win game, but it's also a must-win for Denver if they're trying to even make – because I think Sean Payton is looking at it like this, right? Although I'm trying to rebuild this thing, there was a lot of stock going into that team this year. I think I think he I think he's begging for a wild-card bird. I think so, more people thought they'd be 5-3 and three right now than 3-5. and five. Absolutely. So – and if you and if you think about that schedule, it's like yeah. y'all should be y'all should be y'all y'all should y'all should be better than this. I mean, you oh, should have beat you should have beat the Raiders, you should have beat the Commanders, um, you should have beat the Jets. You know what I mean? So it's just I'm I'm totally with you on that. But you know, again, that's a must-win game for both of those teams. I think I, I think that's a sleeper game of the week. That game is that game deserves a lot more attention than it's getting. I think if that Buffalo Bills team drops to five and five, you get you're in full panic mode. And I think that could cost Sean McDermott his gig. I agree. They'll probably fire Ken Dorsey first, but Sean McDermott could lose that job because you're not going to continue to limp around with a defensive coach and not have an offensive-minded guy in that building with Josh Allen after you just gave that guy $48 million. You're, you're not doing that, okay? Don't bring somebody in there that's more of a creative, offensive-minded guy. I'll tell you this, man. No disrespect to anybody in Washington, but I would clearly look at Eric Bieniemy on what he's doing with Sam Howell. Sam Howell, dude, is you know what? You told me something just now. Eric Bieniemy is worth the hire. He's second in passing yards, correct? Behind a shitty organization and one of no, the worst no lines no, in no football. Line. And you got that guy, Sam Howell, Thurston Howell the third. You got him second in passing yards. Listen, and he just threw for 700 yards in the last two games against the Eagles, and he's backed it up with 700 yards in the last two weeks. Haas, I think yeah. the enemy has put himself in a position to be a head coach. Yeah, and on top of that, let me make sure I got this correct. Um, Sam Howe, he leads the league, and he leads the league in pass attempts. He leads the league in pass attempts. He's completing 66.6% of his That's passes. Spectacular. So how many pat how many pass attempts does he have right now? On the season? Yeah. Sam Howell has 353 pass attempts. He's on um, pace for 700 attempts. Sam Howell was on pace for 667 to be exact. So so Yep, so so he's on pace for 444 completions, 667 attempts, a 66.6 completion percentage, um 4600 passing yards. It ain't him. 26 passing touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Listen, you get him an all you listen, you get him an O line. Dude, the, the NFC East is going to be entertaining. Let me tell you something. Sam Howell, um, Sam Howe in San Francisco. I, I, I'm just gonna tell you, man, that guy, he's trending like and maybe those Eagle games gave him Look, the momentum here, confidence man. Confidence is everything. Hey, that hey, those yards against him, Tone. Don't look that awful now when you look at a nine-game sample size. Exactly, here. exactly. Because, you know, it's so funny. To your point, I was thinking, like, damn, like, are we the only ones he's cooking like this? So then I started So then I started looking at his damn his game log, right? And I'm like, okay, let's, let's really break this down. Is he on pace for 5,000 passing yards? He's on pace for about 4,600. So Four. Sam, Sam Howell is on pace for the same amount of passing yards as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, pretty much. Listen to this, though, man. I, I didn't realize he, he was throwing these yards up. Look, so last week, 325. Uh, against the Eagles, 397. Uh, against the Giants, 249. Atlanta, he threw up a dud, and it was uh, 151. Against Chicago, 388. Against the Eagles, again, 290. Against Buffalo, 170. Against Denver, 299. Against Arizona, 202. So 
Dude, I mean, man, he's been this guy's cooking. He's throwing the ball a lot, and he's at, he's he's pretty accurate. He's pretty accurate. So you know, it, it kind of puts things into perspective. It's like okay, sure does. He, he he did that to the Eagles, but he had a similar game. His first matchup with the Eagles is similar to his matchup with the Patriots. You know, he went 29 for 45 against the Patriots. He went 29 for 41 against the Eagles. 73.1% completion percentage in both games combined for Sam Howell against the Phillies, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, on the season, he has three games completing 70% or more of his passes. Two of them belong to the Eagles, and one of them belong to the Chicago Bears. That's not a horrible – hey, he's going to put up some numbers on you. Right. If you protect him – and plus Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is underrated, man. He's maybe one of the most underrated wideouts. He's better than Lamb. I, I would take – listen, I, I get into debates with Cowboys fans all the time about it, and, you know, I understand Lamb is having a great season. I would never take nothing away from it. But I I prefer Terry McLaurin. I think, I Terry, I think, I think, Terry, I think Terry McLaurin is – a true, a true number one. He can, he can, he can, you can line him up anywhere on the field. See, the lamb mainly eats in the slot. So it's like, I just feel like Terry McLaurin is just way more polished. It's just something about Terry McLaurin. I think it's better. Shit, um, thank you. Dotson's good. I like Dotson. Last thing on the last thing on the commanders. I know you mentioned the Bills should probably look at Eric Bianami. If Eric Bianami leaves Sam Howell too soon, I'm afraid oh, yeah. he might, I'm afraid he might turn back into a pumpkin. Yeah, because coaching matters. Especially with a young quarterback. Especially in development. Yes, yes. How about this tone over the last 15 games? Chiefs, Eagles, Niners, Jags, Bengals are 12-3. and three. Aren't those the five teams that – if you took those five teams – Chiefs, Niners, Jags, Bengals. Eagles, oh, Chiefs, Niners, Jags, Bengals? Chiefs, and- Eagles, Niners, Bengals, and Jaguars are 12-3 and three over the last – 15 regular season ball games in the those NFL. Are all, those are all contenders. Aren't wouldn't you take one of those five teams versus the field to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. Um I think I there's think something that, to be said about consistency here. Yes. And uh, listen, man, I know it's not sexy to talk about, uh, but I'm about, I'm gonna down this hill, man. The Jags are a dark horse. That kid gotta, at the end is coming you got, around. You got to watch the Jags. No one wants to give them their. I, I'm, I'm watching them, and I understand Trevor Lawrence only has thrown nine passing touchdowns. I get it, but he's accurate. They're they're winning. Their defense forces turnovers. Their defense plays fast. They get sacks. They are a team that you don't. I'll, I'll put it to you this way: as much as I like, as much as I don't like. Say it. No, listen, listen, listen. It's, <laughs> it's, don't, don't, it, don't say because I was going to ask you. Listen, I don't say it. Go ahead. It, go ahead. Say it. Is is maybe we're not talking about the same thing. Oh, we are. As go much ahead. as as much as I as much as I think the Dolphins are explosive. Okay. As much as I as much as I think the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, I don't think neither of those teams want to see the Jags in the playoff. No. The Dolphins do not want a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson or the Eagles. Are you smoking dope? <laughs> oh man but would it feel thought? better if Doug, how would it feel if the last two years reed beat you and then peterson beat you <laughs> you, you, tr- you try you, are, 
are you are you are you trying to folks what i'm doing here is you're breaking trying to make it miserable for next week's chiefs no (laughs) no no screw that like if if that ever happened in life do you know how crazy we will look just as a fan we will look i mean now it's not like coaches you fired beat you in a two super rolls in a row now now it's not like the fans campaigned for doug to get fired we like doug I know, I, I get it. When he got fired, we all were like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> all of us were shocked. So, um, if that it's not going to happen, let's just put it that way. It's not going to happen. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh, oh, oh. You hear what Tom said? Tom put it down. It's he put it down at cement. That ain't happening, Sills. We're not going to lose to the two coaches we just blew out. Nah, two coaches that are going to go- because if Doug Peterson wins his second Super Bowl, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but the Jags. First of all, you win the Super Bowl with the Jags. They might as well, you might as well retire and and, give, and and deliver his bus, you know, at this at the, at the parade. Like, you know what I mean? If you if, if, if you, Doug if you, takes that team to a Super Bowl, if Doug takes the Jags to a Super Bowl. I'm gonna. I'm, don't you I, think that would have been a poor move by Howie if he get if he gets that team to the Super Bowl? I mean, I, I mean, I thought it was a poor move when it happened. Do you still I, think I, it's a? Do you think it's still it's a poor move right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and here's the thing: it has nothing to do with Nick. Hey, with Doug. You think Doug would be having the same success right now? Or would there be too much internal bickering going on right now? If Doug is still here, that's assuming that they've written, they've written the ship. So. And this factor this in is Jalen is further ahead as he is. Well, Doug or would, does Doug well, want to have a little more control on the, because look, wait a minute now. It, first off, is Trevor Lawrence, in your opinion, a top 10 quarterback now? Yes. Yes. Okay. So he took that guy who looked like he was starting to die on the vine and put him back up into the top 10 mm-hmm. where he was the number one overall pick. So if he could develop that guy, don't oh, yeah. you think he would have had the same impact on Jalen? No, no, without a doubt. I, I definitely believe Doug would have had success developing Jalen Hurts. I don't think he would have had any issues. Because because Doug comes from the school of development quarterbacks. He was a quarterback coach in what uh, KC or Green Bay. Where, where, yeah, but it? I wonder, Tone, if he would have been able to do the dual threat development because I think that's a different. Because Nick couldn't. Nick had to turn it over to. Because look, there's no question Shane Steichen is a dual threat developer of quarterbacks. Look what he was mm-hmm. doing with Anthony Richardson. Okay, I mean Anthony he get, he Richardson. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And C.J. Stroud were looking like the two best guys coming out of that draft, right? And they were looking pretty good. And Shane, to me, Tone, I think Shane was more of a – didn't he work with Jacoby Brissett also in Indianapolis when he was the O.C. there? When, when uh, Frank so, there? so Shane Steichen, okay, so his uh, his coaching trees, he didn't – He was in Indy. He was in Los Angeles. So with he worked with, he worked with He worked with Tyrod. Um, around that time, um, because I think uh, Tyrod, well, he, he was he okay. Shane Shane was there also, and so was uh, Nick Sirianni, because those guys were part of the uh, Mike McCoy coaching tree 
what they did was they kept some of the position coaches. Mm -hmm. You got to remember, those guys were all – Frank Reich was the OC mm -hmm. when they were in San Diego. And when Frank got the job in Philly, those guys yes. remained behind. Yes, because um, Shane Steichen, in, uh, from 2016 to 2019 – Shane Steichen was the that, that's when they were in between San Diego and Los Angeles. Correct. Um, in twenty from twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen, Shane Steichen was the quarterback coach. Yes. Um, you know for the Chargers, you know, so he worked with Philip Rivers. He, he worked with Philip Rivers towards the end. Um, he worked with Tyrod. You know when they were transitioning to Herbert. Yep. Um, and then he became the interim offensive coordinator in twenty nineteen. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not sure who they fired, but he became the interim OC in twenty nineteen for the Chargers in Los Angeles. And then he became the full-blown OC um, in 2020 for Justin Herbert. If you notice, his, if you notice Justin Herbert's most productive years for under Shane Steichen, and then um, uh, since then, oh. Justin Herbert, just since then, since since then, Justin Herbert has been through two different offensive coordinators. He's been through um, Joe Lombardi, who they fired after one season, and then now he's with Kellen Moore, who they might end up firing because um, I, they're they're just not productive. So. It just goes to show you terrible coaching staff in Los Angeles. It, it 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 is terrible, and you know. But here's the thing, right? I I know this is a completely separate topic, but Justin Herbert is so talented, right? So I don't so I don't question his talent, but I question I question the people around him, but I also question him. Here's why: because you've gone through two different head coaches, three different OCs, and still, it's like. Uh, it's like it's like they're running in place. So I'm trying to understand who's the common denominator in the situation. It's him because you know why you can't use that excuse that all those coordinators because Hertz had it, and he still developed with all those guys. We how many how many coordinators did he have to go through in the last seven years of his career? And Hertz got better every year, no matter who the guy was, no matter what the guy said, no matter what happened to him. And Herbert to have that excuse. Well, you know what? I'm not playing as well, so that's one of the reasons as a coordinator. That's not an excuse, son. They gave you 48 or they gave you 50 million dollars. I mean, you're out of excuses. Pay yeah. rents too. Yeah, you know, right now, man, Herbert is on pace to have oh, one of his most numbers. So, okay, his best year statistically was uh 2021, 38 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, over 5,000 yards, right? So, 2022, he had uh, 2022, he's completing 68% of his passes, just over 4,700 yards, um, 25 passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions. So you can see the regression, right? He went from 38 touchdowns in 2021 to 25 in 2022. And this year, he's in this year, he's on pace for 28 passing touchdowns. That's what he's on pace for. Um, and uh nine interceptions. So he got so so far, he's he's brought the interceptions down, but their defense is just not stopping people, though, too. And their yeah. run game because yeah, they, have, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't have a run game at all. Yeah, and been in and out. Tone, what's his completion percentage, though, right now this year? Right now? 67. Good number. Okay. Look, number. I wanted I, – for a guy how – many, how many attempts I mean, is he on pace for? Is he on pace for 600-something attempts, too? So, so far, he has 282. He's on pace for 599, so 600. Okay, 600. Mm -hmm. Got it. I want to I up that. Maybe 66. Okay, now that could be the inconsistency at wide receiver because Williams is out. Yeah. Um, and they don't really have a functioning tight end in that building any longer because Hunter Henry's now up in New England. So, I mean, you know, you really have a one-threat guy right now when it comes to Keenan Allen in the building. Yeah. And um, here's the thing, right? They haven't had the toughest schedule, in my opinion. No. 
So I'm no, trying to understand. Level. It's coaching too. That dude, yeah. to me, all I need to know about the Chargers is that Minnesota game where you handed it to the Vikings and you go for it on fourth down on and he was 23. He was perfect in that game. You know, in that Minnesota game, he went 40 for 47, 405 passing yards. And the coach almost cost him. 85% completion percentage, three passing touchdowns, no interception, one sack. By far his best game of the season. And, and get this, the coach almost still lost that game for them by going for it on fourth down here. Tone, I want to throw this at you here. Um, And, 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 and. I'm not going to ask you a loaded question like I always do. So I'm just going to put something. I'm not, Your Honor, I'm not going to lead the witness, okay? I appreciate that. All right. 66.6% completion percentage against your secondary. This is according to NFL.com. Right. You've given up 19 touchdowns. Your secondary, which is 31st. You're 32nd, dead last in the league, and giving up the amount of first downs against you, 129. You've given up the second-worst completions in the NFL, 241. You're 31st. You're 31st in total pass yards, according to NFL.com. When you hear those numbers as you go into the second half of the season, what does it mean to you? Fast defense needs to step their weight up, man. You know, it's, it's it's so fascinating, right? One thing I will – one stat that I will throw in is also the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of team – in terms of opponent pass attempts per game, the Philadelphia Eagles um, are ranked 31st in the NFL with 40 pass attempts thrown against them per game. That means that teams are going into games, game planning to throw the ball – at the Philadelphia Eagles pass defense. That means it's universally known the Philadelphia Eagles pass defense can be had. Okay, well, let now, me say this then about your run defense. Yeah. Is the Philadelphia Eagle run defense, is it the least amount of attempts of rushing the ball against them? Can we, Is there a way to look that stat up? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got that right if here. If they lead the up. NFL in the least amount of attempts in rushing, that number one ranking is a little bit jaded for me then. Because if teams are going into the game not thinking, well, why would I run the ball against them? They're pretty decent against it. I'm going to throw the ball against them. Why would I Why would I run the ball against that football team when they're down at the bottom of the league when it comes to defending the pass? Mm, it's so funny you asked for that stat. You're spot on. The Philadelphia Eagles are ranked number one in the NFL in opponent rushing attempts per game. The, the uh, teams are only – teams – are only averaging this is a trend just 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 under 18 uh, rush attempts per game so teams are teams are when when teams game plan for the eagles they say okay i'm not running they can, i'm not running it they can they can stop the run it, you know it's, it's it's just that simple you know last year um as a as a run defense the philadelphia eagles well teams were averaging 25 well let's just let's just average it up this year, they're, th this year, teams are averaging 18 rush attempts against the Eagles, right? That's ranked first this year. In 2022, the Philadelphia Eagles or teams are averaging 26 rush attempts against the Philadelphia Eagles. So teams are running the ball six times, uh, uh, six attempts less than they were. I'm sorry, eight attempts less than they were the, the season before. The Eagles it's not can't part stop. of the game plan. 
The Eagles couldn't stop the run last year, remember? 16. So, so teams are running more. So now I want to look at how often teams were passing against the Eagles last year. Last year, wow, the trends make sense. So, yep. so this year, like I said, the um, teams are averaging 40 attempts per game on the, on, on the Eagles. Last season, teams were only averaging 31 attempts. So that's it's flipped. It's, 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 it's literally flipped. And it's based off of their ability to stop each side of the ball. So the Eagles, they can stop the run, right? No matter how many times you run, like they've shown to stop it. And and but almost that like that number's jaded to me now. But but here's my thing, right? I don't understand how it can. I, I understand the passing side of it, right? But in, in terms of the rushing side, even when teams try, they don't get anywhere. No. So like it'd be different if you if the Eagles had those spotty games, like that one game they gave it 150, 160 yards. It's like it's consistent. It's consistent that teams can't run the ball against them, even if they try. So I think I think as the season goes, but they're not teams, trying. But when they try, they can't do it. So it's like if you're a coach, if if, if, if you're a coach and you've tried. Okay, I put you this way: if you're a coach and and five coaches before you have tried to run the ball against the Eagles and they can't get anything, and you try and you're like, you know what? Like teams are giving up early. I give it to you that way. Teams are giving up early. You know, team, teams are deciding early in the game. If I can't – on my first few attempts, if I can't get three or four or five yards, I'm not going to run I'm not gonna run the ball. So I, so I don't think that's an indictment on their ability to stop I think you're ball. overthinking this. How so? Okay. I want the least amount of resistance to move the sticks. So why would I run the ball when I know that your weakness is in the secondary? You're making it seem that I won't go into games going, well, I'm not going to run the ball because they're decent. No, right. I'm going into the game thinking you're awful in pass and pass and pass defense. Right. That's the least resistance. And you know when I give you an example of that? That Washington okay, game when it was uh fourth and one or third and one, and they decided to uh take the penalty, and they took the penalty and they backed the corners up instead of running the ball there at third and five mm -hmm. to get the first down, they just threw it because they knew those corners would be off the ball. I'm not going to run the ball on third and short. I'm going to throw the ball on third and short on you. Why? Because your scheme, your injuries um, are all playing a factor in why these numbers. And again, two-tone, this is what I say about the eight and one. Like Kelsey said last night, we have deficiencies. And here's here, here, here again, this is what creates the margin of error. And the lesser margin of error this year is because what the teams are doing now, they're not running the ball. You know, when you go into a game plan, you don't do this. Well, they do. No, you do what you said. I think we're kind of saying the same shit here a little bit. But what I'm, what, but what teams are doing for their game plan and their strengths, they're doing this. Well, okay. Um, they, they, they're really good in their defensive tackle position, and they're poor at throwing the ball. So what we're going to do is go hitch passes, get the ball out of Sam House hand quick. That's what Dak did too. They're going to play pitch and catch on the numbers. They're going to run a couple scene plays, mm -hmm. some screens, short dump offs, and we're going to move the sticks. How many times have we seen teams go up and down the field on the Eagles this year because they were going to intermediate passing games? And when they want to make a big play, you're not getting home defensively. And when you're not getting us home with the higher volume of pressure, Whoa. those routes are developing more. You know what? I, I, I just found a stat that – that that adds to this conversation we're having. So when it so 
when it comes to moving the sticks, right? Like you said, teams want to take the the path of least resistance. If right. I know if I know you can stop the run, why would I run on you? I'm, I'm just going to pass it. And, and, you, and to your so, point, that's a great asset to have. But why would I bang my head against the wall when I know I'm not going to knock it down? Ex exactly, exactly. So to your point, right? Because this, because th this actually goes into why that Washington game was so competitive. Did you know the Philadelphia Eagles, on average, are giving up fourteen passing first downs per game? They're 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 last in the that's, league. That's last in the NFL. They're last in the league in the amount of first downs given up on one twenty nine. Also, so think about this, Tone. If I'm getting if I'm getting first downs throwing the ball. Why in the world would I game plan a run to try to win first? They're winning. Teams are winning first down against Philly, throwing it. Exactly. 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 And if you notice, the Philadelphia Eagles defense, they spend more time on first and second down than third down. Correct. Because teams are because teams are finding ways to move the ball on first and second. Like, for example. And get and, this. And, and that's what that you're not game, in third – Tone, this is why the volume of pressure is down, too, now that I th now that you put these numbers and these trends together. You know why the volume of pressure is down? Because teams are winning first down on you. They're not in third down as much as they were in the past, a year ago. That's why it's not third and long. More teams are in third and short this year against the Eagles. Teams are winning first and second down against them. That's why they're they're getting first downs on first and second down, Tone. That's exactly why that if, if if you think about the way that Washington game went because I rewatched that game recently with their that entire game Washington was cooking the Eagles on first and second down the Eagles barely were in third down situations so the Eagles they need to find a way to get back on track on first and second down um, they know at this point a, a team is probably gonna run the ball on you they, they're gonna try but that's not what they want to do. So eight attempts, need, I don't really think is a true commitment to running the ball. Exactly. Yeah. Teams, teams are only running the ball around 17. Like, oh, what, 17 what I, times a game. Is that what yeah, the number is? Yeah. What I say here? Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, 18 times a game on the Eagles on average. Teams are averaging 18 attempts per game. And just think 20, of that, Joe. So, if a team gets 100 yards on 18 attempts against the Eagles, that's enough for them to win third down even more. And that's what Washington did. If you look at the Washington games, they won the yardage number on the rush. They outrushed Philly in both games. And they won first down. But what happened? Howe made an interception late in the ball game to turn the tide. Mm -hmm. And to your point, what you've been saying, teams are going up and down the field. Actually, not really. They're going 20 to 20 in the red zone. They're only giving up 20 points. That's the saving grace of this thing. Yeah, I'll take they're it. They're only giving up 20 points a game in their pass defense or their scoring defense. I'll take it a step further. The Eagles are ranked dead last in the NFL in terms of opponent pass play percentage. The Philadelphia Eagles have the highest pass play percentage against them. Teams uh teams are are throwing the ball 71% of the time on the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what these numbers mean to me. 71% of the time. That teams are doing this now. Okay. They look at the and, and again, too, gotta remember, like I said in the first half of the show, I said this, I go, teams now. When I look at these numbers here, they're looking at the trends going into this. This is a trend now going into the second part of the season where this 
I'm going to try to run the ball just to keep you honest. I'm not running the ball to try to beat you. The only way I'm going to beat Philly is throwing the ball. And I'm going to do quick passes, quick hitches. I'm going to attack the linebacking core in the middle of the zone. And, you know, I told I don't know. I think maybe you said it three days ago. Most teams don't really challenge the numbers. They the challenge Eagles. the middle of the field yeah. and the scene. That's where I wish I, I wish I could pull a chart up or find a chart, but the Philadelphia Eagles, if, I'm pretty target sure. Target chart. That'd be I'm great pretty, if there was a target I'm, chart. I'm pretty sure if you pulled up a target chart for the yep. Philadelphia Eagles. To the middle of the field. Middle of the field. I, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work it out over the weekend. I'm going to try to find that. If I can find a target chart over the weekend, that would be. Because I don't be, think they're really. And Bradbury's probably got more green dots tone on the left side of that defense than what Slade does, I would think. But then again, you may see more green dots on the Slay slide because those are usually where the number one is lined up. It is is over him. So all these numbers here, going into the second half, they've got to get pressure. They've mm. got to get more pressure on the quarterback if they're going to, in my opinion, keep some. You've got to you've got to give yourself a little bit more room for uh, a little more margin when it comes to error in the second half. And that what you have just done and what we have done here, we showed you why the games are close. Now teams don't want to run. It's not that they don't. Well, okay. They've made, they've shown early on in the season that it's a trend not to run the ball on them. So teams go like this. Okay. I'm going to go with the least amount of resistance and throw the ball against them because they're last in the NFL in pass defense next to the bears. Why would I go? with the tougher route to try to beat you. Yeah. And an another thing real quick, um, another thing to keep in mind here, you know, with the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Although last year they weren't the strongest in the run, they were giving up 120, 121 uh, yards per game. Uh, that was ranked in the NFL 16th. So middle, so middle of the pack. So keep that in mind, right? Last year, the Eagles were middle of the pack and run and run defense, uh, giving up 121 yards, ranked 16th. So this season, you know, we you know we talked about we talked about um, pass play percentage and run play percentage. So last season, the Philadelphia Eagles, in terms of pass play percentage, teams were passing the ball on the Philadelphia Eagles fifty eight percent of the time, right? And last year also, teams were running the ball on the Eagles forty two percent of the time. Almost balance. So almost balance, right? Now here's the thing about this year. This year, teams are running the ball on the Eagles about 28, 29% of the time. And this year in pass coverage, teams are throwing the ball on the Philadelphia Eagles 71% of the time. So not only did their run defense to pass defense um skill set flip, the ratio is drastic now. You did what I'm saying? What else is what what else is the telling number from that 71% that teams are doing more this year to where last year it was 58%? What is the one other negative about the Eagle defense? Get this, there's more pass attempts this year, Tone, for you to get home, and you're not. Whereas that, last and, year, and that's why, and that's why this, just, you you had 70 sacks. On 58% pass attempts attempt. against you per game. 
This year, this goes to what I've been saying the whole time. Now you up near 71%. That's why the pressure More don't look like it's a lot. against you, and you're getting there less. Or you're getting there the same amount, but they're passing the ball so much against you, you can't really tell. It doesn't look like it. You get what I mean? You know what? The sacks, I'm not even really looking. Hey, what I'd like to know is, compared to where they were a year ago in pressures, is there a way we can find that out? On uh, what they had in pressures in week nine last year versus week nine this year? Or on hits on the quarterback? Because it hits on the quarterback, I'd like to know, because I think that unit a year ago, you know, as a matter of fact, I would say this, that the second half of the season for the Eagles last year, Tone, I think they picked up their pass pressure more. Didn't didn't Brandon Graham come on in the second half of the season last year? Wasn't it Hassan Reddick also coming on the second half of the season last year where that pass game or that pass rush really picked up a year ago? Because I thought the second half of the season a year ago, Reddick Reddick was playing like his hair was on fire last year. Let me see if I can find that number for pressures. Because get this, there's more pass attempts and you got less sacks than you did a year ago. Because you're on pace for 52 this year. Last year you had 70. That's 18 off the pace. Okay, so. Okay, so, so far this season. So far this season. Because I don't know if I can get as specific as um okay, so so far this season, the Philadelphia Eagles have 112 pressures. Right? Right. And That's 26 not. sacks, right? And 30 sacks. 30 sacks. So you're so so this year they got 30 sacks on 112 pressures this season. So in last year, because they're gonna they're gonna give me the full and more pass attempts. They're gonna give me the uh the full so watch um, this tone. No matter what that number is, last year your percentage of getting home was higher because you know why? You're you're 71% of the teams this year are throwing the ball on you. I'm about to tell you right now. So think about that. L- last that's year a huge disparity. That's listen, huge. That's a huge difference. Right. Listen to this though. Last year, the Philadelphia Eagles got 176 pressures. On six, with 69 sacks, so they're technically on pace for more pressures this year, but it's going to be less sacks. So if I so if I divide the it amount of sacks by the temps. pressures, if I divide the total amount, of your sacks, percentage of getting home though a year ago was higher because teams were passing it less. Yes, yes. So so if I if I correlate the sacks and the pressures, right, the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year, we're getting sacks at a 39% rate. If I think about this year now, 30 divided by 112. And again, this is a nine-game sample size versus a full season. As of right now, on this year, the Philadelphia Eagles, compared to the 30 sacks they have this year and 112 pressures this year, the Eagles are only getting pressures on 27% um, to, uh, 27% of the time. With more attempts and more – and this year, they're attempting passes more – from 58 to 71. Yeah. So we they're all, so they're on pace for more rate. pressures. They're on pace Your for more pressures for less sacks. Yep, exactly. The success rate is down. The success rate is down because they're like like you said there's so many pass attempts going up against them now. The 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 the, mo- the motor's running hot and the 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 success rate is down. You're in, you're in you're in nickel defense and pass defense 71% of the time this year where last year you were in 58%. 
Yeah, man. The uh the success rate is down. Um, they were getting they were they were literally getting sacks damn near 40 percent of the time. Now they're down to about 27, 28 percent of the time. That's why teams are completing passes on you now, and why you're and get this. That's why the games are and again. Let's do this. I'm gonna do something that all of you guys like to do, eight and one. But this is why the margin for error going into the second half, and why I think this next five game, Tone, I think this next five game stretch here for this team is going to tell us whether or not they're going to be able to run through the tape this year, Mm -hmm. and also whether or not you're going to get to the per, not whether or not you're going to get to the dance. It's whether or not you're going to get the parade. And also another thing is if we're doing this right here, right now, live in front of all these people, what do you think they're doing right now? They have no exactly they, what they, we're doing. Exactly. They're doing exactly what we're doing. So, so you've got to come up with a way to do this more pressure. You got to maintain your run defense. Mm-hmm. By the way, like I said, this is why I say this to you. I heard you guys talking the other day, Lane and AJ are, are the most important. I think Hassan Reddick. You lose Hassan Reddick. Oh, yeah. So what we did was did, we, we did um he, we did, hey, uh, you can't lose him. Off, the most important offensive guy and the most important defensive guy. I said Jalen Carter on defense. Um run uh, defense, pass defense. Oh, yes, yes, but Hassan Reddick. Reddick and Sweat, they are so important to the overall, you know, the overall sweat pressure too. rate. Yeah. So, you know, I look at it like this, man. Let me ask you this quick question before I get out of here. If you're Sean Desai, right? Again, we just went through all these trends. We we know what we know. If you're Sean Desai, and when you come out of that bye week, you're going to be as healthy. You're going to be as healthy as you're going to be all for the rest of the year. What's your answer for this pass defense? How are okay? Again, you got Patrick Mahomes coming up, Josh Allen, um, Brock Purdy, uh, Geno Smith, Dak again. You got all these guys coming up. Who? What, what's your answer? For the secondary, are you are you playing guys? Because remember, what we're noticing now is teams are hitting us with the quick game because we're leaving so much space. So, are you moving guys up? Are you sending an extra blitzer? What are you doing to try to give your pass defensive fighting chance? Okay, I think you simplify it, not complicate it. Okay, I think you back. I think you play to their strength, which is playing center field. And you play 20 to 20 and you look at these quarterbacks and you're going to be in a close ball game and you can't start doing things like you did in the Super Bowl with Gannon. Cause what Andy Reid will do, they'll do those pass off passing and crossing routes and they'll be running with their heads with like chickens with their heads cut off back there. Like they were in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. You can't don't complicate this any more than it is. What you need to do also is you got to stick with your normal personnel. Communication is going to be a massive factor here. I, I, I hate to say this. Best thing happened, Dean got hurt. Because to me, I, that's I, hate, to, be, I, I hate talking like that too. I but. hate talking like that too. But you know what? That at least puts the front office at bay and keeps their mouth shut to want to play him. And it what buys, that does. It buys you four weeks. Buys you four weeks of continuity, and I think those guys are going to play a bunch better once they know this, that no one's going to be going in and out. No one likes to not know their role. Yes. Everyone's going to know their role at that linebacker position. Are they good enough? You know, they weren't great cover guys last year, but at least they've stabilized the position now. 
I think you've got to do a great job at somehow getting home more, more okay. blitzes, but you got to have situational blitzes. And I okay. think you've got to have timely blitzes. And in my opinion, okay, I think you've got to try to win first and second down on the pass play. Absolutely. And, you know, my final point about them linebackers, right, because you brought up a good point. The reality is Dean hasn't been able to get it done, and he's been he's been compromised out there. And by you trying to force feed him to the force feed him into the lineup, it's it's made things kind of wonky in pass coverage, right? Here's the thing, right? You know, we talked about TJ Edwards earlier. TJ Edwards right now on the season, uh, according to PFF, and I know PFF isn't the Bible, but it's a decent metric to see what a over what a guy is doing overall um, on the season. Um, TJ Edwards has an overall PFF grade for um, that's 80, 80.2. So, so he's been very good at his position despite being on a bad defense. He has an overall PFF grade of 80.2. Nicholas on Morrow on a shitty team on a, on a shitty team. Nicholas Morrow, and he's played a, he's played a good enough he's played he's, he's played a good enough snaps and a good amount of games for you to get a good sense of who he is. Would you give him a contract next he's, year? Listen to this, and you tell me. Listen to this. Nicholas Nicholas Morrow, among linebackers, according to PFF, has a overall grade of eighty four point nine. I'm bringing him back, and I could get him, I could get him at a Howie price. One thing on TJ, last three years, he's on pace for over five hundred tackles, and this year he's on pace for two hundred and twenty four tackles. Um, and in the last twenty seven games. He's played. He's got two hundred and seventy-one. I mean, yeah, dude, yeah, you, that, you, that, that's you, insane. You let, that guy, you let that guy walk out the building, man. That's insane, right? Now they let him walk out the building, right? Let me ask you this though: they let him walk. They let they let him walk out the building. What if? What if we accepted Nicholas Morrow as the answer from the beginning, and he's playing as well? He's and listen. We know value is important, to Howie, right? Because according to PFF, Nicholas Morrow is playing a little bit better than TJ Edwards, and he's paying him significantly less. You and you know this answer already. <laughs> you already know it. Why? Why is Dean playing? Listen, Coach man. Roseman. Coach Roseman. Coach Roseman. But again, you know, like you I know, said, I picked it, that kid tone. I found that guy walking the street. I even cut his ass. You want me to play somebody that I invested my time and hard-earned work on? Hold on here, coach. You want to be sitting next to Doug? I don't. You mean in Jacksonville? Yeah. All right. I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this. Real, let, let me ask you this real quick uh, before I get out here. Let me because you know we're having too much fun right now. Let me ask you this real quick. Like we said, Nicobe Dean is on, on IR, which means which buys you four weeks for you to show that this defense can. Listen, listen though, this buys you four weeks for you to show. And it's the perfect time because you're going up against top teams in this four-week span. Through those four weeks, if Nicholas Morrow shows you that he is the stabilizing force, he is the answer, that final stretch preparing for playoff time, do you think how we um do you think how we sits this one out and says, nah, Dean's not playing? Keep Morrow out there. And again, Morrow's playing well. Morrow's playing well so far. If he plays well over this four-game stretch. Do you think that buys him the rest of the season with Howie? I'm not answering that question because ah, know look at you, Dance. Look at you. No, no, you know the answer. <laughs> you, you know, you know your boy's gonna parachute in there, going, "Where's my boy?" Oh my god! Oh man, listen, he better not, man. 
He better not. He'd be a fool. Oh, really? He'd be a fool. Okay, he, wait a minute. Wait a minute. A wait a minute. Is that is that his mo? But you know how we once you get say your tone. Say it with me. Say it with me, <laughs> you flag waving eagle fan. <laughs> oh my god! Oh say my it god. with me, you pancake eating flag waving eagle fan. <laughs> Nicholas Morrow, I need you to get a pick six. I need I need tiny five sacks. Oh, you want this guy to play like like go Roquan Smith here <laughs> down the stretch, oh right? Hey man, he's playing Yo. like Roquan. I can't yank him. Shit. Oh my god. Listen, how do you deny the production though? How do you deny it? It's no way I love a guy that much. Don't you love Tone here just really just trying to fight the system here, knowing the full answer why? Now you know why I've been fired. <laughs> 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 now you know why I've been fired. Don't speak the truth, dude. Oh man, massage it. Shit, you should be the afternoon guy at WIP. The way you talk, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta be crying over here, man. Hey, man. Oh my god, Tone, great stuff. A lot of fun, dog. Oh, definitely, man. We had a good time today, man. This was the you best got one it, yet. Man. That's my man. Tony joins us each and every single day at three thirty for the segment. The Philly Godfather is going to join us at 5.30 Eastern. Happy Wingsgiving from our great friends at Hooters. You bet, man. The Hooter girls and the iconic Hooter girls want to thank you and each and every single one of you this November, giving you a special each and every single day like Ice Cold Coors Light drafts, $2.99. cents goes to every purchase, and it goes to a local charity. And so they want to give to the local charities, and your help helps that happen. Hooter calendars 2024. I believe nine of the girls are in the 2024 calendar and from the Northeast area. And there's also $100 in coupons inside the 2024 calendar. Lunch specials, Monday through Friday, 1130 to 3. Boneless wings, happy hour, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6. Six items, six bucks. Try the fried pickles. You'll love them. Love this one. Seafood Sundays, half price, buffalo shrimp. Get the steamers. Sensational. Get the lemon. Steamers are awesome. I've been eating there for 40 years, man. Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays. That's northeasttutors.com. Northeasttutors.com. And do me a favor. When you roll in, tell them Big Sill sent you. Hooters, the perfect pair.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. take a look at week 10 of the national football league here in a second philly godfather is going to join us also um at 5 30 eastern i want to go back on a comment that i made here um when people say that the eagles are winning ugly and they're eight and one record like angelo did angelo goes i'm not buying them at eight and one. I think that's a good mentality to have versus the Cowboys believing that they're world beaters having lost three games already at five and three. What mentality would you rather think about it? What mentality would you rather have? Would you rather have a mentality that eight and one's not good enough? Or would you rather have the mentality that five and three is good enough? What I want to know is, what is the average time the quarterback gets the ball out compared to last year? Well, obviously, Dirty D, the higher volume is telling you right now, teams are at a 71% um, attempt rate. If they weren't getting the ball out quicker and they weren't getting the ball out, then there's no question they wouldn't be doing it. Most of the time, they're in third down offense. And you know what you're doing? You're losing first down. You are losing first down right now. Harbaugh has been officially banned for three games. That's one more game um, than what was precedent. So they may they may appeal that. Personally, can I tell you my, my take on Jim Harbaugh? I think that shit is the dumbest thing 
on the planet. I think the Big Ten has handled this thing as poorly as they handled COVID-19. Suspending the games, not suspending the games, going back and forth with bullshit theories and the Southeastern Conference. You know why the Southeastern Conference is superior to the Big Ten? Because of dumbasses that run it. This is so a nothing burger. Who gives a shit? I really don't care. I mean, this is dumb. Scouting other teams, sportsmanship. What is that? Are you kidding me? What in the world do you do in today's sports that has sportsmanship other than shaking hands at the beginning of a game? You think recruiting is sportsmanship? Honestly, have you ever been recruited? You want to know the filthy things about college sports? Ask a recruit. I mean, this is the stupidest nothing burger of all time. This is like the flake gate shit. They're going to, they should appeal it. It's the dumbest shit on the planet. Jim Harbaugh is being slapped on the wrist with a three-game suspension, which means he probably misses the Ohio State game. And really, that get this. Can I tell you who will put heat on that? Fox. Fox, Fox in Michigan, the television executives and advertisers. Why? And that is such... I mean, look, I could see if we're talking about paying for abortions or what have you, or there's something absolute Jerry Sandusky shit. Get this. Penn State didn't get suspended or anything for Sandusky, but you'll go after Michigan for sign stealing. Yeah, I'm sure Michigan stealing signals is what gave them the edge against Vegas. Think about the NCAA and their bullshit ways. What a fascist organization. You couldn't do shit against Jerry Sandusky and children that were accosted and raped. But you're going to slap Jim Harbaugh on the wrist and give him a three-game suspension for stealing signs. (laughs) Oh. You're going to suspend a coach for stealing signs. And you allowed a rapist for 25 years at Penn State. You know, and get this. The people at Penn State and the NCAA thought that they were going to be holier than now. They have, get this. The Big Ten has no authority whatsoever legally to do anything. They could put bylaws in there that they can have some say here. But they legally didn't break the law in any way whatsoever. There's no law. There's not even really a rule. There's a sportsman rule. I didn't even know that existed. Well, didn't Penn State lose their ability to play in a BCS championship game? No. When was that? The $60 million fine was rescinded. Bill O'Brien took the job, and they went to bowl games. He turned it around. Scholarships were put back in place because the NCAA has no legal ways of doing anything. They're not a legal arm of the law. 
What law did Penn State football break except the moral law? There was no rules they broke. Jerry Sandusky didn't break any football rules. There's no rules about anything when it comes to children and off-campus stuff. There's no rule for that. You have no jurisdiction. Think about that. They they rescinded and put everything back in place. They didn't have to pay that $60 million fine. Remember that FBI, that Louis Free thing? They went in there and none of that stuck. Actually, the only person that paid the price was Joe Paterno because the right man that was put in prison is in prison, but the man that that case is associated with is Joe Paterno. Jim Harbaugh, to me right now, is kind of like Jerry Tarkanian. What, What he did is nothing. So he sent scouts to scout teams that he was going to play. Gee, does that really sound criminal? Well, that's illegal. What? Change signals. So what what's what's the actual thing he broke? Okay? It took his statue down. Hey, Joe Paterno was not responsible for Jerry Sandusky's behavior. He was accountable for it because it's his program. And that's what Jim's being punished for now because he's accountable because it's pro- it's his program. But this thing is a nothing burger, man. Shit, are you kidding me? Today's NFL, today's college football, the the transfer portal, the stealing of players, the stealing of coaches, the billion dollar business it is, and you're why in the world do you think that's in the best interest of college football? Well, maybe because it's a good story. And now they're the black hat in college football, maybe that creates a little bit more. Because me, what what I love about it, I'd love to play at Michigan now. Because me, they got the black hat. I want to play for the black hat teams, like this team or this team. I want to play for the black hat team. This will do more for recruiting for Jim Harbaugh than anything before. You think this is going to make players not want to play there? This is going to make players want to play there more. You have helped them in recruiting. Whereas the Big Ten, like I said, the way they handled COVID-19 was a joke. You know, the big guys, if some Penn State guy came up with some sort of theory that it gave you enlarged hearts and that it'd be bad for football players. So the Big Ten commissioner, Warren, went with it and they suspended football. Then they found out it was just a theory. Nobody believed it. You know, the SEC didn't miss one game during covid You don't hey, you don't suspend games for any pandemic in the Southeastern Conference. That's where I'm going to play. I'm not having my politics affect my football like the stupid ass Pac-12 and Big Ten. You guys are weak, woke, and dumb. I have no interest in that. This hurts the Big Ten. Sign stealing. Are you crazy? You're suspending a coach for science. <laughs> Something has to be done. It's so wormy. 
Something has to be done. Are you going to do anything? Some guy at Indiana, a football coach at Indiana or Northwestern, is screaming from the top of their lungs, something's got to be done to Harbaugh because their programs suck. Good for Jim. He has made Michigan football relevant. Holy cow. Unbelievably awesome. To me, I hope you get this. You know what some people in the media will be saying now? Oh, the team will unravel. No way. No way. This will galvanize that whole group. Look what you did to my coach. Look what everything you're trying to do for us not to win the national title. You know, I actually hear voters now. You want to know how pathetic people in my business are? What's the quarterback's name? That's the quarterback at Michigan now. Is it J.J. McCarthy? Is that his name? J.J. McCarthy? Is that the dude's name? He's up for the Heisman Trophy. Is that the quarterback's name at Michigan? I think it is. Okay. You know what you've got those asshole media people doing? You've got asshole media people now that are not going to vote for him for All-American or for the Heisman Trophy because he's involved in this case. You take it on the kids. You're going to take some infamous deflate gate bullshit. Deflate gate was dumb. You really think deflate gate had anything to do with the pay? Didn't they win Super Bowls after Spygate and deflate gate? How much of a factor did they have? Nothing. They won four more Super Bowls after all those things. But they cheated. <laughs> you know, the pressure of a football sells. The pressure of my balls. <laughs> I learned more about pressure on my balls. For PSIs, all I did was talk pressure on balls. I mean, really, I had to shower when I went home after my sports radio show. Okay? Because all I remember talking about was pressure and balls. <laughs> I, oh, hey, hey, so, Sills, do you know anything about PSI? I go, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was a drug. No, it's the exact pressure that you have in a football, and that was given Brady an advantage and why he was winning games. <laughs> Tom Brady could have threw a Nerf ball and won Super Bowls. But I spent five years talking about my balls, footballs, and pressure on my balls. <laughs> that had to be one of the most endearing parts of my career. Sills, what, what do you think was probably the most significant time you spent on your broadcasting career? Talking about balls and pressure. Yeah. In my 30 years of radio, yeah, pressure and balls. It's five years I spent on it. It's pretty amazing, actually. What'd you learn? Nothing, but I just remember talking about balls and pressure. Hey, hey, Jesus, Germany. Jim Harbaugh gets three games. 
for sending his little doofus, uh, uh, what's that guy, that nerdy intern of his, up to UNL, I mean, to places to scout a team that you're going to play. Gee, does that sound egregious? Hey, I'm going to go play Georgia. I'm going to go have a guy watch their game and take some notes. And if they can pick up anything on the sidelines, let me know about it. So, you know, maybe that'll help us with a game plan. Does that sound egregious to you? It's sportsmanship. Don't you know anything about sportsmanship? That's not nothing to do with it. You still got to go out there and fight. That'd be like doing this. I'm going to go watch Tyson fight. Okay? I'm going to go watch Tyson fight. I'm going to scout him. You know, they do something in a corner when Tyson gets hit. You know, I still got to get in the ring with Tyson and fight him. Don't I? (laughs) Hey, I picked up all these great... Boom, I'm out. (laughs) Does it matter? This is the... Man, I hate my business sometimes. I really do. I hate my business sometimes. Because you you got voters now that won't vote for the national. If they seemingly get through this and weather through this, get this. I think there's a part of me that if Michigan even goes undefeated and wins the Big Ten, they may not get in. Oh, you know they're praying. Hey, do the refs throw the game this weekend against Michigan with Penn State? Are they leaning one way? They're Big Ten officials. Wouldn't you question the officiating if you're going to question the leadership of Big Ten football if you're Michigan? How do you not? I mean, you're 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 how do you not think the officials? are going to be jaded towards Penn State to try to get you. You know everybody in the Big Ten is praying for Penn State to win this week, and then Ohio State, so that they don't have to have that team represent. They want Ohio State to represent. They don't want Michigan. They're rooting for Michigan. I'll be watching that game. Is that effective immediately? Because I hope that he gets to appeal it. Because if he gets to appeal it, it'll probably be, you know what's going to, hey, can I tell you what I think happens? He appeals it, and a three-game suspension will be put in place for next year. Those guys in that, hey, those wormy coaches in the Big Ten, man, they're going to wet their diapers. They're going to wet their diapers if that happens. What do you mean? You're not suspending it for the end of, what does it matter if he does it now or then? What's the point? Don't you want to go through a full disclosure hearing and get on all the evidence and go through due process? How come in today's society you guys don't want due process and you want to convict people right away without attaining all the facts and going through due process? This is a prime example of when you're talking about Biden or Trump or Harbaugh. It doesn't matter. Nobody believes in in, in due process anymore. Get the facts, find out what the crime is, litigate it, debate it, apply it. And if you want to appeal it, this is all the process of how you acquit or how you find someone guilty. We don't want any of those. Today, we want to go from 
Well, I hear this. You're guilty. <laughs> well, he was stealing signs. He's guilty. <laughs> Man, what a wormy bunch of coaches. No wonder that program fell on its face during COVID-19. Believing in some sort of psycho uh, guy with a theory on enlarged hearts, which turned out to be nothing true. More false information. The Big Ten paused its season. It hurt recruiting. People were transferring to the Southeastern Conference. I said this. The SEC will be stronger than ever because of COVID-19. You know why? Because they went with the science. The SEC never canceled the game, never canceled the championship, didn't move games, played through it. It turned out they were right. Whereas the Pac-12 and the Big Ten – they went with the politics of it, and it cost them. The Pac-12 is now dissolved next year. And I think it had a lot to do with two things, shitty television contracts and the way you handle COVID-19. Players in Los Angeles only want to play in USC now. And you know why they're playing at USC? Because the Pac-12 they knew was going away. They're going to the Big Ten. I think COVID-19 and a bad TV deal ended that conference. It's a shame. Because it's probably the best the conference has looked in probably 35 years. And now the SEC gets all those California kids and West Coast kids. Wow. No wonder how he hangs out there. No wonder he hangs out there. <laughs> hey. Long live the Southeastern Conference. Home of the best college football in the country. Home of people who are smart. Home of people who get the best players. Home of people who love football and not the politics around it. Pausing seasons for infamous misinformation. Look at, look, look, look at this thing. You're going to suspend Michigan. And you're going to do everything you can to try to railroad their season. Because, get this, do you know what this comes down to, too? This comes down to a donor that doesn't like Harbaugh. Do you know that? Does anybody know the name of this guy? He's a donor. And get this, this goes to the Vikings. Jim Harbaugh was interviewed for the Vikings job this past offseason. And the Michigan guy didn't like the way the whole thing was handled. And so what he did was he ratted on him. And he's doing everything he can to get him out of there. He's one of the biggest donors in Michigan. And he's he's the guy behind. There's an inside guy at Michigan doing this. It's an inside guy at Michigan. It's a well-known donor. All you got to do is Google it. That's doing this stuff to him. Because he didn't like the way Harbaugh handled himself. This won't affect their season. They'll be fine. But we... Better beat Michigan. <laughs> uh, you better beat, right? 
RTF goes source. Google it. Yahoo Sports put a story out on it. Source? All you got to do is read, kid. All you got to do is read. Week 10 of the NFL. Also, draft order. I want to look at that right now. Um, Yeah, J.J. McCarthy is fourth right now in the odds to win the Heisman. Never. They'll, ne- they'll never do that. Okay? They'll never do that. And obviously, Philly Godfather will be with us at 530. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Power Hour, 
Big Sills, Philly Godfather, will join us at 5.30 Eastern. Want to reset some stuff on what we saw in the first half of the Eagle season. Week 10 of the National Football League, but I want to tell you guys something that's going to change sports over the next five years. It won't maybe change the NFL, but it'll change sports and how you consume your favorite sport or your favorite athlete or what have you. Cable companies are losing viewers at a massive rate now. I mean, that's why you have that new in-tournament thing going on with the NBA. Because ESPN is losing millions and millions of viewers each year. I mean, they've lost something like 25% of their viewership in the last seven years. I mean, it is, people don't want to buy it anymore because of the rights that they've given to the NBA, the NFL, college football. That's how they pay the athletes. The NBA has got to come up with different resources. That's why they're in China. That's why you're playing an in-tournament game now. You're going to have like two championships now during the season. You've watered down your product because what you're doing is you're looking for more viewers and you're looking for more clicks and you're looking for more eyeballs on your sport. Your sport is... And the NFL, by the way, I don't believe will be affected by this because the NFL is getting away. You know, I saw a story of a uh, company in Philadelphia that wants to try to get NFL teams to like, they want to be like the property rights and view. They'll never do that. The NFL is going to take their own money. You're never going to be the sole carrier of an NFL team if you're a property, unless you're somebody like Amazon and that you could put hundreds of millions of dollars up. Why would they turn it over to a local company or a company that's an up-and-coming company like that when they could do it themselves and keep the money themselves? Why would I share what I'm doing with you? I don't need to. That's why the NFL Network was founded. You think they started the NFL Network just to put horrible hosts on? No, they want to put games on so they keep the advertising. By the way, the NFL expanding? Bet your ass the NFL expanded to Europe. Why? Why do you guys think the NFL will expand to Europe? And I mean new teams. Why do you guys think the NFL will put two new teams in in um, in Europe? Probably in London and obviously in Germany. That's where they're looking. That's what it looks like to me that they're preparing for. Somebody goes money. Of course, you guys are very smart. You follow the money. Um, here's why. The cash register starts earlier. That that Kansas City-Miami game, do you know had 9.2 million viewers? Do you know how many the, the World Series had? As an average, 9.1. In one game, Kansas City versus Miami, they had as many viewers that you have for a World Series game. That's a win. Plus, the cash register starts earlier. Why wouldn't you put a team there? Well, the product would be watered down. They don't give a shit about that. They love parody. They love mediocrity. They want teams nine and eight. Isn't it funny? Well, there's not enough quarterbacks to go around. Who cares? This is about making cash. This is about creating value for the league and the owners. This is about hijacking communities when it comes to stadiums 
so that they can have wealth enhancement programs for their owners. Who thinks this is about doing something that's right? They're going to put two buys. They're going to put two more teams, go to 18 games, and they're going to do it because it makes more value for them and every team benefits from it. Will there be lesser court? They don't give a shit if Baker Mayfield is the quarterback of the Bucks. They care the Bucks are worth $6.6 billion today. You know, the Glazers bought that team for something like $300 million. It's worth $5.5 billion now. You think they care if Baker Mayfield's their quarterback this year? <laughs> Give me a break. Why do you think the NBA is in China? Because that's another revenue stream. Why do you think you're doing business with Saudi Arabia, people who cut people's heads off? And now you're doing UFC, got a golf league you own. You bought the PGA, basically. You're going to allow them to invest in the NBA now. Pretty soon you'll see them in the NFL. You see them all over with, like, um, F1 now. Sports washing. <laughs> hey. Pretty soon the NFL is going to allow Saudi Arabia to invest in the NFL and be a minority partner. You're going to be holding games overseas in Saudi Arabia. How do you think they got the World Cup? Well, because why? They could build great stadiums. 225 people a month were dying over there putting them stadiums together. <laughs> of course they're going to expand. But here's the thing. Leagues like the NBA and Major League Baseball, you see that Bally Sports thing is now not going to have Major League Baseball games. You see the Padres almost went broke because they tied a lot of their money with Machado, Tatis, um, um, what's his name, Bogarts, who else, uh, Soto. They put all that money that they were getting from the television side, and when that money went away, they had to take a $50 million loan out to pay payroll. It's going to affect player salaries, which means the money's going to come down for salaries. It won't. I don't believe it affects the NFL because they're like Teflon. I, I do not believe it'll affect the NFL because NFL has tied themselves to sports gaming. That's why one of the great things that Adam Silver did, the NBA commissioner, as fast as he could, man, he tied himself to gambling. Because that's the only way you're going to save the NBA when it comes to money. Because the players are going to have to count on, get this, you're going to have to count on two things to pay guys like LeBron James and Steph Curry. You know what that is? China and gambling. Because viewership on ESPN is going away. That was one of their biggest investments. Crazy how you look at it. And, and you keep, and, you, and people go like this. Well, the NFL will be watered down. You're not, you know, you know, Tone, I tell, Tone's finally getting it. You got to first start with the dough. Watered down. So you think more games in different time zones 
with more leagues and more stadiums, waters the league down or enhances the wealth of the league and the value of the league? What's more important, making sure there's enough quarterbacks in the league or enhancing the wealth of these owners? Man, I hate to be the guy like the guy in Bronx Tale that says, why are you crying? Bill Mazeroski made Mickey Mantle cry. I hate him. You're worried about Mickey Mantle? Go home and ask your father if he can't pay rent. Go ask him to see if Mickey Mantle gives a shit about it. Mickey Mantle doesn't care whether or not. Your father can't pay rent, he don't care. I never liked Mickey Mantle ever again after that. I have never liked him. Sills, if the Niners lose this weekend, you better bring that knee brace energy toward them the next week. <laughs> oh, look at you, man. Um, NBC lost NFL games to Fox. Yeah, and get this. The NFL still turned around for that Sunday broadcast and charging the same rights fees. Because they added Thursday night football for NBC because Fox won that thing. No one, they were there 54 years. JoJo, they were at the um, NFC, NFL was on CBS for 54 years. Okay. I hate, I hate Bill Mazeroski. I just hate him. At least Cologino was nine years old. <laughs> you hear some of our sports broadcasters? Going to water the league down. <laughs> Cologino was nine. And then at nine years old, he was read the truth. Uh, Mickey Mantle. Mickey, Mickey Mantle makes $100,000 a year. This was 1960, I'm assuming. The, uh, the, the year the Yankees lost to the Pirates in the 60 series. When Mazeroski hit the shot. And I'm assuming that because Mano was making 100 grand. You average it out with that might have been. I might have been worth what? Five, eight, ten million dollars, whatever. Mickey Mantle makes $100,000. You think he gives a shit what your father thinks? He made, but he, Mickey Mantle, he cried, Bill Mazeroski. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know, do I have to be the voice of reason here to tell people, hey, get this. Oof. No places do you get this, the reality show. Because most of the time, what you get is you get people that are on the air talking to you like, like sports guys instead of reality of what's going on in sports. Sports is money. It's the biggest industry in broadcasting now. You guys just had the Eagles and Cowboys had 30 million people tune you in. Was there another TV show this year that had 30 million people tune in? Name me another show that had 30 million people this year so far. That's one weekend. Look at the games. How many games do they play a weekend? 14? What do they play, 14 games? Usually over a weekend? So say you're getting 10 million viewers or 15 million viewers per game. My God almighty, you're talking 200 million viewers in America watching NFL football and commercials. You're getting a quarter of a billion people a weekend watching NFL football. And you're telling me that 
watching some sitcom on CBS at six o'clock on Wednesdays. <laughs> Dude, the TV stars are on Sundays now. They're not on Wednesday night at six or Saturday night. They're on Sundays. Jalen Hurts is the biggest, one of the biggest TV stars in the country. Okay. Think about that. 100, 200 million people watch NFL football. Did you see Al Michael say he was at the 58 Rams game? They showed highlights on Amazon game last night. Did, hey, wait a minute, Barbara. You know, I was at the, um, I was at the, um, I was at the Super Bowl in 1969 at the Orange Bowl, and I was a little toddler. And there I was rooting for the New York Jets because, you know, I'm from the region. I'm from Stanford. You know, I would eventually go to Joe Namath's camp. Did you go to the game? Oh, yeah. Where were you sitting? I was sitting in um, 17-4 in the lower bleacher section. And um, I was rooting Joe, Joe Willian. I thought he turned and looked at me and went like this. I couldn't believe that Shula went for that play with Orr in the back of the end zone and Morrill missed him. You know, Earl Morrill went on to be a coach at the University of Miami when I was there. I asked him about that play. How come he went to Johnny Moore, Johnny Orr? Yeah, I, I just didn't see him open. Yeah, I was there too. <laughs> no, I, I was not. Al Michaels was at the 1958 Rams. <laughs> oh, man. <For> you. <laughs> he waved at you. Uh, Namath goes like this. I, I am. I don't know how Joe Namath got a Southern accent either. He's from PA. <laughs> He's from Beaver Falls. How does, hey, how does a guy from Beaver Falls have an accent from Alabama when he was only there three years? I don't know. You know, I mean. He don't live there. I know that. He lives in Florida. Hey, Diane. How you doing? Joe Namath, how come you have an accent? How come Joe Namath has an accent from the south, from Alabama? It's from Beaver Falls, PA. It's the western side of the state. I, I mean, this guy's more like a um, – the guys that drive around in those carriages. Okay? He's more one of them guys than he is a southerner. <laughs> <laughs> oh man wild i saw you at the 2014 national title game you you had james winston's jersey thank you scott <laughs> that's all i need is scott just to validate it no i wasn't <laughs> uh let's see here the ultimate goal of the nfl commissioner roger goodell is to add four european teams to the nfl Google it. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Got me good, technically, right? Google it. <laughs> Fat Cobra. I like that. Dave Parker used to be called the Cobra. Steven's calling Big Sills the Fat Cobra. I kind of like that. I think there's a ring to that. The Fat Cobra. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the Fat Cobra on the National Football Show. Hey, Tone, that's got a ring to it. 
<laughs> the fat cobra digging it. Okay. Sills, how would they start getting players? Who? <laughs> Steven, I like it. Fat Cobra. <laughs> Not going there. I know you love the Noel Sills. Really? Too much pressure on <laughs> I'm not. I'm staying away from FSU Miami. Okay, when we get Philly Godfather on, I might bring that thing up, but I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep that kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Just for the record, I never lost FSU. I don't know. Drive. Hey, let me th- let me throw this at you here. Guess who gets the number one pick in the draft as of right now? Jonathan Gannon. The Bears have two and three. You think they move off of Justin Fields? Would you move off of Justin Fields if you have the second and third pick in the draft? This is what it would look like right now if you drafted. Would you would you move off of Justin Fields if you had the second and third pick in the upcoming April draft in 24? Would you move off him? I would. Giants have the fourth pick. Would you move off of Daniel Jones? Oh, that guy, a lot of money, man. He's a stiff. Hey, I might eat that contract. If you're Brian Dable, it's either him or me. And if I'm the head coach... I'm not keeping Brian Dable. I mean, I'm not keeping um, Daniel Jones over Brian Dable. Are you? Danny Pennies. Can you imagine him? What what do you think you could trade Daniel Jones for next year if you tried trading him? A fourth? Somebody would give him a one? Hey, could Daniel Jones generate a one pick? You think he could get a first rounder? A washing machine. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, Ty. I know what I would do. I'd trade him, trade him to the Patriots for Jalen Rager. If I were to move off fields, I'd try to move to the number one overall. I like that. Yeah, hey, I'm going to trade Jalen Rager to the Patriots. Or I'm going to trade uh, Justin Fields to the Patriots so I could get um, Jalen Rager. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't trade. Hey, right. Hey, I'm not trading you for any Hooters gift cards or the calendar. Sills, would you trade the calendar or Hooters gift cards for Daniel Jones? I don't know, man. I think that's really something I had before I bring Philly Godfather in. Would I trade Hooters gift certificates and a Hooter calendar for Daniel Jones right now? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Let me think. Mm. Man, I love those steamers. <laughs> Dimes Jones, what a stiff. Holy cow, man. I got to tell you guys something here, man. The greatness of the Philly Godfather, bro. This dude is kicking some serious ass. Okay? He's been killing it, man. Like just dominating. 
And I'm here to do, you know what here? I, I worked, before I bring them on, I worked as a stockbroker before I got into broadcasting. I worked at Bear Stearns. Believe it or not, I had a Series 7. And I sold stocks. And here was my pitch. My pitch is probably like the Philly Godfather to you. Ready? I pick three or four stocks a year. And what I do here, unlike Merrill Lynch, I don't flip you in and out of stocks. I pick winners. Okay? We haven't had a losing quarter in 68 years at Bear Stearns, even though they were part of the Michael Milken thing and, you know, <laughs> kind of got ran out of the business. That's another day. <laughs> but I'm here to make you money. And that's what the Philly Godfather is as we bring him in now. Jackie <laughs> World Big Chills wrestler slash stockbroker slash football slash. You know what? I might be like your kid because I think you and me have a lot more in common than what people think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you learn a lot when you do a lot of different jobs growing up. I mean, I've done everything you can think of. They had me in a hot dog cart at the age of eight, and it was one of the best educations I ever had. And uh, you learn a lot, and uh, you try to use what you learn in different jobs. And you just keep it moving. Just try to win, baby. Just try to win. You've been killing it lately. Yeah, over the last 30 years, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. See, that? that's just so nonchalant. Yeah, you know what? Because I, I tell people this all the time, too, Godfather. I love doing this. Sills, you suck. I go, you know what? I have sucked for 35 years on the air. <laughs> you are right. I can't believe how bad I've been for 35 years. All right, let me ask you some questions before we get into the games this weekend. You think the Eagles have to go 4-1 and one over this next stretch? to win home field advantage no i don't think so i mean they're right now if you check their odds their season wins the regular season win total it only went up one game from 11 and a half 11 and a half started beginning of the season right now they're at 12 and a half uh no i mean san fran's in a do or die situation this week against the jags the cowboys i mean they gave the eagles a run for the money last week and the eagles were lucky to win that game but uh you know detroit's coming along no i don't think so i don't think so Tell me if these numbers concern you. This is the secondary numbers. <clears throat> They're 31st in touchdown surrender, pass defense. They're 31st in completions allowed, 241. They've allowed the most first downs of any team in the NFL, 129. They're 31st in total passing yards. Only the Bears are worse. And... It's not that they're so great at stopping the run. Do you know that 71% of the time now this year, teams want to throw the ball on Philly, and they're winning first and second down, and they've surrendered more first downs than any team in the league. Yeah, and they're also 20th in the league in opponent yards per play. So on every play, they rank 20th in the NFL. They give up the 20. I mean, it's just the ball's been bouncing their way. Uh, they've been lucky in some games. Uh, they're eight and one, but it's a scary eight and one. I, and I challenge every Eagles fan out there uh, to tell me that they feel comfortable. The record's great, but this team is beatable. And if anyone doesn't think the Dallas Cowboys match up extremely well with this team, well, then they're lying. We'll put them in a lie detector test, and I guarantee you, they're lying. They're scared of this Cowboys team come playoff time. They got lucky, you know, last weekend. It was a game of inches. The calls went their way. Uh, Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball. He recovered his own fumble. He only threw for 200 yards. I told you he wasn't going to have a lot of yards passing, and I told you Dak Prescott was going to light it up, and that's exactly what happened. 
but the ball's bouncing their way, and eventually that luck's going to run out, Dan. Okay. That being said, do you believe that the Eagles are the number one team, or do you think the Ravens are the number one team in the NFL? Wow. I mean, we talked about Lamar Jackson before the season started, how he's going to have an MVP season. And right now he's the odds-on favorite at plus 350 to win the MVP. Uh, the Ravens, I mean, if you look at their metrics, maybe the best in the NFL right now. they got a tough game coming up against the Browns, one of the better defensive teams in a revenge spot. Deshaun Watson is healthy. So we're going to see how good the Browns are this week. Uh, it's close. I mean, they got the best record in the NFL, and you can't argue with success. But they look vulnerable. Eagles look vulnerable. So you're not sold on them? Uh, they're a very good – I'm not sold on their defense. They're very physical. And, and, you know, if it's fourth and inches, fourth and one, and you extend drives, that kind of deflates the opponent's defense. So that's that's a huge advantage for this team, that tush-push they have. But their pass defense, one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, come playoff time, they're going to have to hamper down. They're going to they're gonna have to tighten that field down, or else some of these better quarterbacks are going to beat them. You think Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson has been the mid-season MVP of the league? Who's been the MVP if you had to pick one? It's Lamar Jackson, but here comes Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's coming on strong. But right as of right now, I would take Lamar Jackson. Are you a fan of Jalen? Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm one of his biggest fans. Not just what he does on the field, but his character, his leadership. Uh, even though I bet against him, you know, only because I think I have an edge. But I, it, from a fan perspective, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, your kids can look up to. He, he, he seems like one of those guys that, you know, he, he's down to earth uh, and he's got a heart of a lion. I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's a real football player. You know, it's funny. I just envisioned that movie, The Natural, and that guy goes, kid, I bet against you. I like you, but I bet against you. <laughs> It's business, man. It's business. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of glad I lost that Cowboys bet last week, or else I'd be like 80% over the last two weeks. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to brag, but thank God I lost that Cowboys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, okay. So coming out of the coming out of the bye, Andy Reid is 27 and four. Uh, don't tell us yet until next week, but are you, where are you leaning on that? I mean, the Chiefs will probably be like a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite in that game. Oh, you think the Chiefs will be favored? Oh, they are. Yeah, if you check the screen, if you check in the odd service right now or any sports book, they're probably two-and-a-half or three-point favorites. Uh, it's a tough game. It's a tough game. Uh, that, that, Chiefs defense, that Chiefs defense is one of the better defenses oh, yeah. in the NFL. I think Hurts is going to struggle a little bit. If they get some pressure on him, it could be a long day for the Eagles. Oh, man. And Andy Reid is 27 and four after buys. His defense is better than it was in the Super Bowl. And you're going against a team that Mahomes. Hey, I wonder what Patrick Mahomes must be sitting back going, I can't wait for my picnic next Monday night. <laughs> He's going to light him up. I mean, if Dak Prescott, what, what did Dak Prescott for, throw for 375 yards? And 374, down? something like something, that. Something crazy. I mean, it depends on the weather, too. I mean, if it's a real windy game, if the rain comes in, you got to really pay attention to the weather because in bad weather games, the inferior team has a shot, the, the better running team. Uh, so that could negate some of the uh, edge they have in the passing game. So make sure you guys pay attention to the weather in that matchup. Let's look at some of the games. 
Indianapolis, and I got to say this about Shane Steichen. I think he's done a wonderful job, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they can maybe get their record back to 500. Is that right? If they win, New England's a train wreck at 2-7 and seven right now. Um, and Indy's going in. I don't know. I think it's Gardner Minshew that's going to be quarterbacking or maybe someone else in there. How do you look at that game, and is it a tough game to put a number on here? It's tough. I mean – if I could get three on New England, I'd probably take New England because it's such a hard place to play to beat that team in Foxborough, even though they've underperformed this season. And it's a real buy-low spot. You know, you were talking about stocks earlier. This is a buy-low spot on this Patriots team. Uh, it's just – it's tough. Uh, they're actually playing at, at Deutsche Bank. I'm sorry. It's an early game. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not looking to bet this game. I'm not looking to bet this game. Seven is it 17 and a half points? And do you think that thing can go higher? Giants at Cowboys. I mean, you know, those are college lines. 17 and a half. <laughs> you don't huge. ever see shit like I, I don't know if I've ever seen a higher line in my life. Is it do you think that thing could get above 17 and a half? It's a big number in the NFL. It's one of the biggest ones I've seen in a long time. The bookmakers definitely don't want you to bet Dallas, so they've inflated this number. Um, this game could get ugly. I mean, the whole world's betting the Cowboys. They're going to time in the teasers in the parlay. I would take the Giants in that number. It's a big number, man. It's a big. I'm not looking to bet it. I'm not looking to bet that game. But it's a it's a massive number in the NFL. And these guys, listen, even the backups can play in the NFL. You know that. So I'm. I got. So we got two off the board. Yeah. How about this one? <laughs> you got a lot of fans here, bro. Look at this guy here, man. Oh, good. I love it. Houston at Cincinnati. Kind of a little surpriser here, Godfather. And the fact that form for Houston, Stroud's got he is just killing it. But you got a football team that's beat the Niners and the Bills in consecutive weeks, and Burrow's playing his ass off here. Um, how do you see this Texans and Bengals game? Yeah, Burrow's odds to win the MVP have dropped down to seven to one. So that, that tells you right there. He's right on everyone's tail. Uh, I took seven and a half on the Texans early because I knew that line was going to move. It's down to six now. So we went through that key number of seven, which is very important. But I'm paying attention to the injuries. This Texans team is very, very banged up. They had like 20 guys uh, that were questionable for this game. So pay attention to the injury reports. If, if everyone plays the way they're supposed to play for the Texans, that's a big number. Uh, the Texans have shown they can hang around. C.J. Stroud, the kid's playing lights out. Who's playing better than he is? I mean, uh, one of the better rookies we've seen, you know, coming to the NFL in a long time. Uh, I like the Texans here at anything over a touchdown. Saints at Minnesota. This is an interesting ball game, too, because the Saints, in my opinion, will probably go on to win the NFC South by default. And Minnesota, with Josh Dobbs, is hanging in there, man. I mean, you know, they may have a shot. To, this is a big game for both teams because if Minnesota wins, they move to 6-4. and four. Then you start thinking potentially they could be the seventh seed in the NFC East or in the NFC. They're really banged up. I was checking their injury reports. They're missing some key guys on offense and defense. And the Saints have a suffocating defense. And I think they're going to give that kid some problems here. I like the Saints on anything under a field goal. I bet them on the money line. So I like the Saints in this matchup. Green Bay at Pittsburgh. Um, I think the Packers are kind of limping around and struggling. How in the world, though? Is Pittsburgh five and three? You look at their numbers, they're rushing the ball 90 yards, they're passing at 188. Tomlin's a spectacular coach. This is a defensive football team, isn't it? With TJ Watt, who's probably in the conversation for MVP. So you would think that this is probably going to be a low scoring football game here. 
Yeah, I mean, the total's low. Uh, the spread's at three and a half. Total's at 39. I just don't like laying points with the Steelers team because they can't really put points up on the board. They have, they struggle. And anything over a field goal, I'll probably look to take the Packers here come game time, depending on the injury report. The whole world's going to be betting the Steelers. Everyone's giving up on the Packers. It's a real buy-low spot for Green Bay here. And uh, I'm not looking to lay any points with Pittsburgh. I kind of like the Packers plus the three and a half. I like the hook on this game. Is this a U-Haul game for you, like just load it up and move on, Tennessee at Tampa? Yeah, I didn't bet it. I'm not looking to bet it. Uh, waiting for all the injury reports to come out. I think Tampa Bay's what, lane one? Tennessee's got – Tennessee knows they're finished. Uh, don't Do you even... use those teams ever, Godfather, in a uh, parlay? Is that how you use teams like that sometimes? Usually if you got two bad teams like that, and I think the game's a coin flip, you're better off putting them in six-point teasers. So you'll move it up. You you can grab plus seven on Tennessee – if you're looking to take the dog here, uh, the whole world's probably going to bet Tampa Bay because they've they've actually competed a little bit this season. And Tennessee, they look like they've been left for dead. But I'm not looking to bet the game. But if you are and you like the dog here, I would tease them up to seven. Hey, man, this is a really intriguing ball game here. 49ers at Jacksonville with Dougie P. And I got to tell you, I'm with my guy, Tone. And I said this that I thought at the beginning of the year that the Jaguars are I think you and I even said it. We're going to make it to the AFC Championship game this year because, boy, I'll tell you, NTN looks like a guy that got two dogs on defense now that are ball hawks. Their turnover takeaway ratio is awful high. Could be number one in the league right now. And Trevor Lawrence is looking like a top 10 player. I mean, this is a big-time game. And the Niners, they're lumping into this thing having, you know, lost three in a row. And I don't know the status of Trent Williams. I hear he came back to practice limited. And I don't know if he's playing or not. Then you got Debo still out. So could they lose four in a row here? I mean, they could. Hopefully Williams plays because he makes such a big difference. I mean, you look at McCaffrey's numbers with him in the lineup and him without, and they're, they're so much, they're so different. Uh, the Jags look great all season. We took them at 28-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl as a small wager before the season started. We, I talked about it with you uh, early on. But if you look at their schedule, who they beat, they beat the Buffalo Bills team. That's really their only quality win of the season. And all of a sudden, how good are the Buffalo Bills at five and four? Even though they probably have the second best point differential in the AFC, or maybe the best one. Uh, but at five and four, are the Bills really scaring anyone these days? So who have has the Jags beaten? Uh, both teams coming off the bye. San Francisco needed that. Try and get healthy here. They're banged up, like you said. At three, I think that number's right there. I laid uh, the money line with San Francisco because I don't want to say it's a must win, but they need to win bad. And the Jags still have a two-game cushion against the Texans, so they can afford to drop one here. Uh, I think I think the 49ers bounce back and win. I don't know if they cover the spread. I think the number's right there. How about this? And I brought this up with Eagle fans, and they, they wanted no part of it. What if Doug gets to the Super Bowl and he wins it? There'd be two Eagle coaches in a row that beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And these two guys. Well, that's if the Eagles get there. I mean, let's be honest. There's seven teams in the NFL with better point differentials on the season. And to me, that spells L-U-C-K. You know, let's be honest. And they're a really good team. And uh, they're very. You think the Cowboys are better than the Eagles? I don't think they're better, but they match up really well against them. And they they might be a slither below. They're not that much worse. I mean, they're going to be dangerous. In Dallas, the game's going to be a pick when they play the Cowboys. And then if they beat them in the playoffs, that's the one team the Eagles don't want to play in the playoffs is the Dallas Cowboys. They Let me re-ask you this question. Are they 
as good a team without Goddard. Uh, yeah, I mean, he won't move the, the needle much. Okay. But he is a security blanket for Hurts when he gets in trouble, when, when they're playing one of the better pass-rushing teams. Uh, yeah, it hurts losing them, it, you know. But they're still, the Eagles are still stacked on offense. A.J. Brown's a monster. I mean, that offensive line, uh, their pass rush, just their pass defense is one of the worst in the NFL. That's what scares me about that team. And we've talked word. about it since week one. We talked about it before the season started. We said this, there's going to be a huge hole out there. And that's what's going on. Cleveland at Baltimore. Ravens 7-2. Cleveland, I'll tell you what, inconsistent play at quarterback, but their defense is lights out. Miles Garrett's probably the defensive player of the year so far. And they've got – they're stacked, in my opinion, Cleveland, at every single level. D-line, linebacker, secondary, pass rusher. They got skilled people, too. The quarterback, if they get any kind of consistency out of him, that Cleveland team could be a frightening team. But Baltimore seemingly has no weakness right now. How do you see this thing playing out? Uh, if you're betting the Ravens right now, you're buying high. I mean, uh, the game opened up five. It's up to six and a half. Uh, if you can grab seven on the Browns with that defense, they rank number one and two in opponent yards per play. So two of the better defenses in the NFL. Revenge spot for Cleveland. I think Deshaun Watson's finally healthy. Uh, seven points is a lot in the division game. It means a lot to the Browns. Uh, means a lot to the Ravens as well, but the Browns are fighting for their lives here. I kind of like the Browns here, plus seven. I think uh, they got a shot at winning the game, too. I think they're going to surprise some people here. How about this is an interesting ball game because both teams are going to – I think you're going to learn a little more about Detroit and the Chargers. I mean, I mean the Chargers get – they're so inconsistent coaching-wise. You know, they lost Mike Williams earlier in the year. Eckler's back, but he's been banged up in and out. You know, Detroit, outside of the Kansas City win – I mean, there's not really a lot of significant wins on it. Plus, they got boat raced by the Ravens a couple weeks ago. We'll learn a little bit more. Who do you like in this one? In, not that it matters. It's a home game for the Chargers at so high stadium because more Lions fans will be in the building. But how do you see this thing playing out? I mean, you got two uh, high-scoring offenses here, and uh, you're grabbing three with the Chargers. I like the Chargers plus three. I think the game's a coin flip. Anytime the game's a coin flip, I'm going to take the dog. Every time uh, the Chargers are starting to play some better football, they got so much talent on that football team, and uh, I think it's a bad spot for Detroit. The whole world's going to be betting the Lions here. As of right now, seventy percent of the tickets are on Detroit. I talked to my guys in Vegas and Costa Rica. Uh, the public's betting them like they got the next day's newspaper. So I like the Chargers here plus three. I think they get the job done. You, you know what? I got to say, and I've been saying this now for about three months about this guy Sam Howell. You know he's second in the NFL in passing yards. And the job that Eric Bieniemy has done to him, and if they win, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they get to 500. They get to five and five. It's in Seattle, one of the more difficult places to play. You got Geno Smith there. I think that kid, uh, Devin Witherspoon, has been playing lights out. But Washington, you know, people keep saying that they waved the white flag. I don't know, man. I mean, that was a big win last week for them. I think Seattle is better, but I think that's an interesting ball game there. It's a lot of points, six points, but it's loud in Seattle. It's oh, it's a loud. tough place to play. And Washington's offensive line isn't one of the better ones in the NFL. And like I said, when you're at home, you can mask some of those inefficiencies on your offensive line. But when that noise starts rocking, it's a lot of points. So six points is a ton of points. I think they can hang around. I'm not looking to bet the game unless it gets to seven, which I don't think it's going to get there because then all the sharp money is going to jump in and take Washington plus seven. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm not looking to bet. The number's right there at six. I think that's the right number. You want to hear some intel here? I'm going to give it to you here about this. And the reason I'm going to bring the Jets and Raiders game up, so supposedly um, in walkthroughs yesterday, Aaron Rodgers was taking snaps, <laughs> and he was dropping back and, like, moving around, and he was actually getting out in the perimeter and not too much work, but he thinks he's three weeks away <laughs> from playing that. this year. <laughs> and th this is kind of, if they win this game, don't they stay in it, the Jets? Don't they kind of keep around in it if they win this game? And yeah. I, I'd be interested to see if they get Rodgers and all of a sudden you got a three-game stretch that could determine whether or not they get into playoffs. Would you play them? Their offensive line so banged up. Oh man, what it's true. like four guys in their offense. You're gonna get Rogers killed back there. You're gonna bring him in, he's gonna go right back out. He's gonna get hurt again. I don't hey, he's not a China doll, Godfather. We got we're paying him 50 million bucks. Let's go. Yeah, but come on, man. Hey, hey, come on, man. Hey, look at me. Hey, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you gave you brought Rogers in and you didn't secure your offensive line, and now they're all banged up. The game's a pickle. You could probably grab one on the Raiders. I like the Raiders here. It's you know, I, I just think anytime a team's missing all those offensive linemen, I mean, how good can you really be? I mean, I, I like the Raiders here in this man. And Jets defense is solid. Uh I kind of like the Raiders here. This Monday night game, I gotta tell you here. <clears throat> so they're three and five, Denver. I think they've kind of righted the ship. Wilson's playing effective and efficient football, not crazy stuff here. I'm not saying he's Russell Wilson, you know, 2013 Russell Wilson and Denver or um, Buffalo injuries in their back end. Um, their defense has got a ton of injuries. They're pissed off at the coordinator. There's really one target in the building. Could you see Denver going in there and winning that football game in Buffalo? I don't think it win the game, but it's seven and a half points, a lot of points. I think they can cover. Uh, people still don't respect this Denver Broncos team, and a lot of the betting public still thinks the Buffalo Bills are the same team from the last couple of seasons. So at seven and a half, I think the number's too high. If you're looking to bet Buffalo, I would tease them down. If you can lay one, uh, maybe time in with one of the other teams that you like this week. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't lay seven and a half on the Buffalo Bills. The way they've looked, uh, the way they've underperformed, it's not a team I'm looking to invest in, especially over that key number of seven. Three and seven are the most key numbers when you're looking at bet games in the NFL. So uh, I kind of like Denver here over seven and a half. If you get seven and a half, I like the Broncos. I'm going to do some college games here, but I want to throw a prop bet at you. Who takes his team further this year, Doug Peterson or Nick Sirianni? Man, that's tough because the Jags still haven't. I mean, if they go out this week and they beat the – off San Francisco, I'll take the Jacks. But, uh, you know, the Eagles still, that pass defense is very suspect. Man, They could be one and done in the playoffs. And as good as they've looked, and as great as the Philly fans are feeling with that 8-1 record, it's scary. I mean, and like I said, you can hook them all up to lie detector tests, and they might be telling you how great the Eagles are, but inside they know that team is vulnerable. I'm going to start calling you Philly flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'm an Eagles fan. I hope they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, but, you know, listen, I'm placing close to 7,000 wagers a year. 
So that futures ticket I got on the Cowboys at 61, it was all about the price. Uh, win or lose, it's not really going to change my bottom line. So if the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, I'll be happy. You know, my, my kids will be happy, all my relatives, my family, my cousins. I mean, everyone loves the Eagles. So, Some college games. Michigan versus Penn State after Harbaugh gets suspended today. By the way, before you answer this, I think it's the biggest bullshit investigation in the history of bullshit. It's a do nothing. It's a all them do gooders in the Big Ten, and all those woke ass people that run that conference. Hey, Godfather, you know why the Big Ten sucks so bad outside of Ohio State and Michigan? It's because the way they handled the COVID nineteen stuff by pausing the season, not pausing it, and that's one of the reasons why the Southeastern Conference ran ahead of everybody else. Because, hey, let me tell you this. Death and taxes and football in the SEC, man. <laughs> Ain't no pandemic stopping no football games in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, it was bad time, man. They could have waited till the season was over. Uh, he's still coaching from the South. Oh, no, he's but just... wait a minute. I think he's going to – this is what I think happens. I think he appeals it. And what's going to make those woke-ass people really even more upset, they're going to they're gonna start those games next year to verse three <laughs> when they got UNLV and Bowling Green – and they have Helen Keller University at the beginning of that schedule. That's what he, he's going to – he's going to sit out. What week are you sitting – I'm sitting out Helen Keller and Eagle Creek <laughs> University and Wichita Falls University. Yeah, I mean, it really hasn't moved the needle on the game. The line really hasn't moved. It was four and a half before the suspension. It's still four and a half against Penn State. Uh, a couple of shops went to four. But that's that's not really much of a move off that number. I mean, four and a half and four is basically the same number. But um, I think Penn State matches up a little bit better against Michigan than it did against Ohio State. I mean, Marvin Harrison isn't playing for the Wolverines, and he kind of torched Penn State up. I'm not sold on Penn State's quarterback. You know, explosive play is one of the worst. In college. It's a lot of dink and dunk stuff, and that Michigan defense is one of the better ones. Now, does Michigan, you know – Yeah. Do they rally behind their coach? You never know what you get with an 18-year-old yeah, kid. You can't really quantify what's, what's going to happen here. Uh, at four and a half, I can see Penn State hanging around. They still got a good defense, one of the better defenses in college football. But uh, I'm not sure how which way this thing's going to break. Are they going to rally about around them and, and go out there and just destroy Penn State? Or is, uh, is it going to affect them on the field? I'm not sure, man. But at four and a half, I kind of lean towards Penn State. I haven't bet it yet, but I kind of lean towards Penn State here at home. I think you're going to be shocked when I say this. I think you should take Arizona against Colorado in, in Boulder. You know, that Jet Fish team has looked really good this year. They've been in almost every ball game. And Colorado, in my opinion, I think they're unraveling. Coaching changes, people are blaming, pointing fingers. Yeah. You gotta you know what? This is the first time I've seen the inexperience of Deion Sanders as a coach starting to really fold, you know, unfold itself here the last month of the season here. And I think Arizona, I like the way they play football. I think they go into Colorado and upset them. Yeah, I mean, they're laying 10 on the road. It's always tough playing up there at the altitude. And Colorado, I mean, they don't protect the rock. They're ranked 92nd in the country in the turnover margin. So if they turn the ball over a couple of times in this game, that gives Colorado an opportunity to cover a big spread like that. And Colorado's ranked fourth in the nation in the turnover margin. So they really protect that football. It all comes down to if they can uh, – Win the turnover battle. If Arizona wins a turnover battle, they're going to blow this team out. Uh, but we talked about how good they are last week. I told you guys, bet them, take the points, bet them on the money line. They were going to win outright, and that's exactly what they did. 
it just worries me uh, here uh, being ranked, like I said, 92nd in the country in a turnover margin. If you, you know, fumble the ball once or twice or throw an interception, that opens the door for Colorado plus 10. If gone to my head, I haven't bet it yet, but I kind of like Colorado plus the 10 points. I think people have given up on this team and uh, big emotional win for Arizona last week. I think it's a little letdown spot for them. Tell you what, man, I think there's better college ball games this weekend and NFL games. Um, I have to ask you, and just for the record, I have never lost against Florida State. So, I mean, it's in Tallahassee at Doe Campbell, too. I got to tell you this. Hey, real quick. So, when you go up there back in the day, now they can't do this stuff because of the woke assers today that we have in our society. <laughs> but you used to go up there, and I had look, I'm a guy from the New England area. So, Godfather, I walk up there. I'm at Doe Campbell like this. They put the lights out, and you're going like this. And all of a sudden, you see that white horse come rolling out. And they got this. And I'm sitting there going, there's a guy with a spear coming for me. And I'm going like, and it's on fire. And Henny throws it almost between my legs. Boom, into the ground. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. I hadn't seen anything like that before in my life. It's a pretty. This was back when Coach Bowden was there. It was. It's a pretty intimidating place when they're winning and they're winning, and I really like that team. I think they got more signature wins on their schedule this year than any top five team that's in the top five right now. I think Miami's got their hands full. It's got to be a pretty big point spread here too going up there, but it's a rivalry game. Um, what do you see in this thing? I mean, as of right now, Florida State's actually got the best odds to make the college football playoffs. They're minus oh, I think they do make it. Yeah, I did, so you can just pencil them in. Uh, spreads was 15. It's down to 14 and a half, 14 in some spots. So there's some money taking Miami. If you look at the tail of the tape, if you look at the rosters, offensively, their metrics are pretty close. Yards per play, yards per, front, per rush, yards per pass. Godfather, Godfather, stop. I just heard you say 14 and a half. It's a lot of points. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving on. I, what's I don't, killed, what's I, killed I, Miami I is the turnovers, Dan. Look at that. Hey. They turned the ball over. It's killed. It's a lot of points. I, I don't, I don't want to know no more. I don't, I don't <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I think this game's interesting. Utah-Washington. Yeah. I mean, uh, game, game opened up 10. It's down to eight in some spots, eight and a half. Uh, Utah's defense, one of the better defenses. I don't know if they can score with Washington, man. You know, the, the team can put up some points. If it, if it gets any lower, I'll probably be looking to take Washington here. Uh, I haven't bet the game yet, but, uh, oh, man, it's a tough one. The number's right there on that matchup. How about this, man? I, I watched Georgia last week against Missouri. I think Georgia's beatable. I, I don't think they're as, as um, formidable as they've been the last two years. I think they're good. I think their defense is good. But I don't know, man. I, I They look vulnerable. They look like they're not as dominant, especially in the run game. And Ole Miss, you know, Lane Kiffin, he could throw the pill around the ball, around the yard a little bit. I think that's an interesting game. I know it's in Athens, but, I mean, Ole Miss and Georgia, that looks like a pretty – I think that game could be a, a pretty close game. It's a big number. Uh, Georgia's laying 11. I mean, I think that's a big number. I mean, you got – It is. It's a, I think Ole Miss can stay within that number. They don't turn the ball over. I think they're ranked 10th in the nation in the turnover margin. They got the best turnover margin in the SEC. And their defensive line gets after the quarterback. I mean, they've uh, they've had a ton of sacks this season. So I think Ole Miss can stay within that number. It's a big – 11 points a lot, is a lot of points here, man. Georgia, like you said, they've looked vulnerable. They've looked great at times. But this is one of the better teams they're going to face all season. 
I like uh, Ole Miss plus the even. Finally here. Um, boy, I'll tell you, of all the teams with one loss, and it's between Bama and this team, Oregon. Man, Oregon, I tell you this, Bo Nix has really had a wonderful season. Now he is 58 years old. He's been in <laughs> college football. I mean, I this guy's like on a GI Bill or something. This guy played four years when he was at Auburn or, or something like that. And he's been up at Oregon for four. I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. This guy's going to be 38 when he leaves. It goes into the NFL like Chris Winkie. And Southern Cal, holy cow, man. That thing is, you fired the D coordinator. Hey, just in time. <laughs> They've imploded. They've imploded, man. Uh, the line's big. It's 15. Total 75. They're expecting to shoot out of here. Bo Nix right now. He's got, what's that? What's the number? Uh, 15. They're laying 15, and the total's at 75. So they're expecting a ton of points. Uh, Bo Nix right now has the second best odds to win the Heisman. Penix is like plus 150. He's at plus 200. Oregon actually has better odds now than Washington to make the playoffs. So that's flip-flop. And, and I think Oregon's better than Washington. I mean, they got lucky to win that game. Uh, yeah, I can see Oregon blowing them out. I can see Oregon blowing them out. Here. I'll tell I, you I what, it, it's better a knowing game. that SC has a higher number uh, than what UN does. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a ton better right now. Hey, man. Listen, Miami's got a shout, man. Everyone's going to be betting Florida State. And you know what happens, but – they, they, if they keep turning the ball over, they got no shot at all. That's what's killed them all season. Is you the want me to tell you what that score is? Got it. 34-10 FSU. Oh, God. It's ugly. It's ugly. Oh, yeah. You're gonna, you're, people will be screaming at me. What the, the guy makes $8 million bucks. That's your boy. You told me you loved him. Now look at him. He sucks. Everything blows. And I'm like, oh, my. You have no idea how many people contact me after those shitty games. Like, after Georgia Tech, it was a train wreck after that game. And the alumni call me, and they get in my ass on it. Philly Godfather, you were awesome as always. Tell folks how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Philly Godfather. You can go to my website, thephillygodfather.com. And make sure you guys catch the show on SiriusXM, Jacob Media, every Thursday from 6 to 8. We also live streaming on my Twitter account, the Sports Betting Show. So make sure you guys check it out. Absolutely, man. And by the way, man, he see he said he's a Jalen Hurts and Eagle fan. I don't know why you guys are assuming he's not. Listen, my, I'm a money fan. That comes first. The Bills come first. And then the fandom comes next. And how can you not love Jalen Hurts? I mean, he's, he's a real football player. One thing about my guy Tony says he wants you to admit it, though, that the Cowboys lost. Oh, yeah, of course they lost. Well, actually, they gave the game away. (laughs) (laughs) Billy Godfather, thank you very much. (laughs) Keep it going, my (laughs) friend. Very good. That is the Philly Godfather. Look at that, huh? Tone, Cowboys, there they are right there, man. Right, right, Tone, right there, man. He couldn't do it. I know they gave the game away. All right, man, have yourself some fabulous weekend. Thank you guys so much. Hey, we start the second half of the season next week, Kansas City week. That's going to be enormous. Xander, thank you so much, man. Hey, you guys were absolutely great. Please hit the like button. Tone, spectacular stuff. I love you on the program, man, each and every single Monday through Friday from 2 to 6. Thank you guys so much. We will catch you on Monday, 2 to 6, and we'll see you on the flip side. 
Snowball and Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.